What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. This is a very special edition of the Sports Talk Show because today we are doing our college football preview. College football season has actually started already for a couple of teams, but we do have the full slate of games coming up this upcoming weekend. So we got a lot to get to in terms of what we think is going to happen over the course of this season. I'm very excited to do this show because, you know, most of the summer has been either all NBA or a lot of NFL. So we haven't really gotten the chance unless it was for some nonsense, like what was happening at Maryland or what was happening at Ohio State. We haven't really gotten a chance to really dive in deep into college football. So this will be the show for us to do that. So let's get right to it. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Kendall Stewart, who I feel like is in a relevant spot because as if you listen to the Hero Talk Kendall's back at school, but he's actually on a, co- a, a football campus, a college football team, uh, a major Division One team in Temple. You guys don't have a stadium there, but nonetheless, you are on the ground. Kendall, do you have any any? Is there any excitement building for what the Owls may do this year? Uh, they played Villanova this weekend, so obviously, I will not be watching. Um, <laughs> why, why? Why aren't you supporting? Why aren't you supporting your 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 your, your, your team? Not even your alma mater yet. You haven't graduated, but you're. Your 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 hometown school team here. Uh, I I'm adding you to test this, EJ. I'm I'm a Pitt fan. Uh, I'd imagine that you know you weren't exactly you know going to any of the the Hunter College basketball games. Uh, I'm sure you were watching. I was calling. Well, first of all, timeout. I was calling Division Three Hunter College basketball games. So don't get on me about school pride. I did show school pride when I was at CUNY Hunter College. Shout out to. Uh, that school. So yeah, don't 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 bring me. Don't Did bring, you go to any game? Don't try to bring me though. into your own issues with with not following it through with your own school. Did, don't did don't you ever, drag did me. You ever that. go as a spectator? That's a totally different thing. What is, paying, I worked. I worked the game. I didn't get paid. I worked the games free. It went on the resume. Yeah, it did. It did go on the resume, but at the it same time, the resume, it, man. at the same it time, it wasn't. But but I I I invested in my school's team. You can't, you can't say you've ever invested. So we're not equal in this at all. I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I'm going to the basketball games, so that's that's fair, fair enough. I, we talking football today. I'm sure basketball. I, I'll we're, remember we're trying to college football. When we do the college basketball preview, I'll remember to ask you, Kendall, what is the, the <laughs> feeling like of the Temple College basketball? I expect a full breakdown since you're now the owl expert yeah. when it comes to college basketball. Apparently, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. A lot of times I go rooting for. Uh, the other team. If yeah, because you only go and they play Memphis. <laughs> um, but long story short, there is uh, honestly less buzz about Temple's football team this year than there have been in the last two years. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I think people have kind of resigned themselves to the fact that they're not going to be as good. I went through the, it's funny, in the preparation for this show, and there was a lot of it, <laughs> um, I actually went through the top 130 teams according to Athlon Sports. Shout out to Athlon. They always do awesome stuff in regards to their college football previews. Uh, do you want to guess where the Temple Owls are ranked out of 130 teams? 74. Not too far off, but you, you, you're not giving your team enough credit. They would rank them at number 60. Number sixty. I mean, that's it's a power five school. Uh, you know, a very low power five school, but yeah, a power they're, five they're school. They're excited about Frank Noodles uh, at quarterback. 
Um, yeah. They won four of their last five games last year. So, it's Jeff Collins' first year as head coach. So, maybe we should pay attention to the Chris Collins. What was that? Is it Chris Collins? No, it's Jeff Collins. It's Jeff Collins? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know the dude's Chris name. Collins is Being a Chris Collins is a, Yeah, he's uh He's coaching Northwestern. There's another... Oh, and then <laughs> the... Uh, what's him call it, too? Senator. Oh, yeah, Senator Chris Collins. Well, yeah, he... Uh, whole mother, both, whole Jeff category, Collins and the Chris Collins in North, Northwestern is in a lot better shape than uh, <laughs> North uh, New York uh, Congressman Chris Collins right now, who is uh, indicted for uh, corruption. But that's another uh, that's possible. That's that's uh, that's for possibly the New York New Generation Political Hour. This is New Generation Sports Talk. This is our college football preview. So let's get right to it, Kendall. As I said at the top of the show, college football season is upon us. First few games did happen over the week, over last weekend, but we're not really worried about those games. No disrespect to Colorado State and Hawaii and all those other teams that were playing. But this week, we have our full slate of Week 1 games. Um, it includes Alabama, who will be in, in action uh, this weekend. Come, They come in as, of course, the reigning defending chance, but there are questions about who will be behind center. Of course, Tua, Tua Tagliovia and Jalen Hurts are listed as co-starters for the team's opener. But of course, Kendall is. I don't know if we've really ever seen the two quarterback system thing ever work in terms of massive success or even going through with it for an entire season. So, Kendall, do you think the Alabama Crimson Tide can be uh, the outlier this year with both Hurts and Tagliovia uh, producing, or do you think that uh, will Tua eventually finally get that nod and, uh, and 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 take that spot? You can't go with the well, – let's get this out of the way. You can't go with a two-quarterback system for a 14-game season. Um, it, it can't be sustained. Uh, the team – can Alabama win games? Can they get by with two quarterbacks? Sure, because the quarterback position in Alabama is probably one of the least important positions in major college football nowadays. I mean, they literally – Blake Sims was basically a running back playing quarterback. And yeah. they still like went through the, yeah. the college football like, playoff. Here's a Ferrari, and you're gonna race against other Volkswagens. Just don't yeah. wreck the Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you should finish it first every yeah. time. Like you may not win a national championship, but you'll always be competitive, no matter who the quarterback is. So, I mean, could they have two quarterbacks and still get to the playoff? I'm sure it's possible. But if we're talking about Alabama winning a national championship, as we saw last year, you have to have some semblance of a passing game. And with Jalen Hurts at quarterback last year, they were able to stay afloat because he's an excellent dual threat type of quarterback. Uh, now, I do, there are some people out there saying, you know, Alabama's got two of the top five quarterbacks in the country. Or, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. I mean, one, you know, Tagovailoa has only played one game, you know, half a game, really. I mean, besides some garbage time games he's played in the middle of the season uh, where they're blowing teams out. And... As much as I love him. And Jalen Hurts, good quarterback, but he's not you don't get benched in the national championship game for a freshman if you're a top five quarterback in the country. Yeah, exactly. Uh I mean it just I mean the guy's got no looks from college from NFL teams. I mean he's maybe he's probably in the top twenty maybe. Yeah. And that's yeah, not like that's a diss to him. That's, that's really not a diss. Good. If you're a top twenty quarterback in college football, you're I'm a Miami Hurricanes elite fan. Quarterback. I'm a high Miami Hurricanes fan, I would take him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you're an elite quarterback. Uh, so that's not a diss, but um, I mean, I think I think we'd all be in agreement that Tua has way more upside throwing the football 
And I think to win a national championship with teams like Clemson, the way they play defense, the way teams like Georgia, as we saw in the national championship game, the way they defend, you're going to have to have two elements to your to your offense, where not just running the ball with Damian Harris and Najee Harris, but also being able to air it out and use some of their elite wide receivers who we saw in the national championship game. Uh, some of these younger guys were stepping up, playing with fellow freshmen uh, to a Tiger Wailoa at quarterback. So that's going to be the – that's that that has to be the, rep, the recipe for Alabama. I think Nick Saban knows that. Even – I mean, <laughs> I saw somebody tweet uh, – one of these college football writers tweeted that they've watched – the Rose Bowl, the National Championship game, Florida versus Tennessee, and I forgot one other game, like 800 times this summer. That's all they show yeah. <laughs> like in terms of the reruns of college football season or like three or four games. But um, I watched the National Championship game a couple weeks ago, and I saw like I saw the end of the game in overtime and all that. And Nick Saban, you even see the Nick Saban press conference when he's being or the you know on the the uh, interview after the game. When he's being asked why he went to Tua, and he's like, we needed to throw the ball. I think that should tell you right there that Nick Saban doesn't have confidence in Jalen Hurts passing the ball. Not against the elite teams. I, I agree with you. Exactly. Not against the elite teams. And and at the end of the day, with Alabama, as we've seen, it's all about the chip. It's not about you know beating you know Louisiana Lafayette in the middle of the season or beating up on Ole Miss. Those are the teams that we know Jalen Hurts can light it up against. Uh, we know he can dominate uh, some of the middling teams in the SEC. And SEC, SEC that to me, every year, kind of including this year, uh, seems to be getting more and more top-heavy and not as deep. Uh, and then other teams in the SEC that struggle to, to throw the ball offensively, even if Hurts isn't dominant as a quarterback, Alabama's defense just wipes teams off the face of the earth. So it doesn't really matter. I think at the end of the day, Nick Saban looks at it, and he feels like when it comes to those big games, you're facing Georgia, when you're in the Iron Bowl, when you're facing a team like Clemson or some of these other top-notch teams, it's going to take a little more. But then that leads me to an interesting question, Kendall, because I, I feel like if there's any team or any year where a coach could get away with pretty much playing two quarterbacks, this would be the team. And yeah, I'm not saying he'll do it, but... I don't think that it's surprising. It's not surprising to me that he's coming into to a week one game against Louisville, who is not a slouch. You know, I mean, no one thinks the is going to lose. They should they should dominate. But Louisville could easily win eight or nine games this year. Uh, maybe not nine. Eight's probably a little more closer. And he's going in. But yeah, we, we got two quarterbacks like that. Like no other team in the country, even including a team like Clemson or some of these other top notch teams will come into a game like that. Against a team that's not uh, just a complete lay, you know, you know, just the floor mat, and say that we're going to go with two quarterbacks, but he feels like he can get away with it. I mean, I look at the schedule, Kendall; they're going to be heavily favored in all these games they play up until the Iron Bowl. I mean, they really don't have any real non-conference threats. Um, they don't have any real what do they play conference threats. State? Their toughest game is going to be at home against Auburn. I know they go to Death Valley. I'm not that high on LSU. LSU has zero offense. When do um, when do they and, play? And their coaching uh, situation is in turmoil. When do they play uh, Mississippi State? November 10th at home. That's late in the at season. Home. That's after the Death Valley game. It gets 
LSU. That could be a sneaky one. That's the only trap game I see. Yeah, that's a sneaky one coming off of what will be a very emotional game against LSU. But I look at this schedule, Kendall. I, I would not be surprised if we go into Missouri in October 13th, four or five games in. Or that, that would be actually six games in. Wait, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six. That would be game seven when they play Missouri. I would not be surprised if Hurts and Tagovia are both. Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. There you go. I'm going to call him Tua from now on. I'm not going to be surprised if Tua and Hurts are both playing a lot up until that point. What I'll say is I agree. And honestly, I see why Nick Saban would go into this Louisville game with two quarterbacks because I do think that Saban in his heart of hearts as a head coach that's coached Hurts and again watching that national championship game for a second time mm-hmm. I think he definitely felt like Hurts gave them the best chance to win from a game manager perspective yes absolutely Tua was a freshman quarterback that was making boneheaded mistakes making throwing crazy passes and didn't know how to manage the clock so Jalen Hurts is a guy that's done this for two years now flawlessly had one bad game and lost his spot um so I think going into a Louisville game that's a real college football game. It's not some game against Mercer, right. some game against North Northern North Florida. <laughs> it's a real college football game. And so they feel like we need somebody in our back pocket that really knows how to win a big time college football game. Now I can't say two or doesn't because he's won the biggest college football game right. you can win. But he hasn't was that a fluke. You know, he also made mistakes in that game that Nick Saban was not happy about. Yeah. In fact, he put Jalen Hurts back in the game at times because Tua was was screwing up. So I do think from that standpoint, Nick Saban does like having two quarterbacks. But I do think going past the Louisville game, you're doing your team and you're doing Tua a disservice by sticking with Jalen Hurts because the rest of the schedule, like you said, lightens up. And past that Louisville game, those games against whoever they're facing, Mercer or whatever by game they play against some Division II I mean, team. Or they have F- Arkansas State and Louisville Lafayette before they play against Arkansas. And Those two games should be all Tua until you put in the, the second string because Tua needs to build confidence, he needs to build reps as the team's starting quarterback. I understand maybe Louisville, you're saying, all right, it's kind of a game where we may need to ride the veteran. I can see that. And maybe, look, I would throw out Tua for the Louisville game, too, because I need experience on a real stage. Well, he'll be out there. The question yeah, is, he'll be who, out there. Obviously. I don't know who will be the first person to come out of the I think it'll be Tua. Of the staff, um, of the sideline. You think it'll be Tua? And also, I think Hurts is probably better as a gadget guy. I'm not saying Hurts doesn't ever have to go in the field. What, what purpose does Tua serve if he's coming off the bench? As, I mean, he, he, he opens up the passing game, but I feel like that's the opposite approach. I feel like you want the guy that has a real arm to be the guy that's coming out there playing 75% of the snaps. If anything hurts, should be your change of pace. Should be your change of pace guy. Like That's generally how it's done. Now, obviously, Tua can also run, but I don't think he runs. I certainly know he doesn't run like Jalen Hurts does. And Jalen Hurts can throw, but he doesn't throw, he doesn't throw like Tua does. So, But I would take the guy like Tua. So um, it's a very interesting conversation. Uh one thing that I thought was interesting was there was a great article on ESPN.com this week uh, talking about uh, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson who 
just lost the starting spot or just lost his QB competition to Kelly Bryant. Mm-hmm. And Justin Fields at Georgia, who is uh, backing up Jake Fromm this year, um, the article essentially could one of these two guys be the next Tua. And they asked Justin Fields' his dad about this whole situation in the article. He says, he's talking about the Tua situation, saying, you know, everyone knew, like, that was the decision to make. It wasn't. It didn't take a genius to figure out that, you know, that that was the right decision. To yeah, no, no one really questioned Saban. I mean, there were a couple were just saying from a loyalty factor, but no one who watched that game thought that that wasn't the move to make. Everyone knew it. Yeah. And, I mean, if we feel this way, I mean, I felt, I kind of felt this way, I mean, before the season started. Remember, I was like, well, this kid too might end up being the starter. But. I if if I think if we all feel this way, we all see it. I you have to think that some of you guys in the locker room know know as well. Like two is the better quarterback. I know for certain. Kind of whoever uh, does play quarterback, they're going to be very lucky. You got Najee Harris in the backfield, Brian Robinson, um, the receivers they got, Henry Ruggs. Yeah, I mean th- th- this team is so loaded. Uh, Devontae Smith, Jevin Judy, they got freshmen coming in that can ball on the outside, like. I, that's why I'm very curious to see what happens uh, and if they're able to um, go with this, how long will they go with it? I don't think they will, but I think if there's any team that could do it, based on the schedule, based on how much talent they have, it will be this team that could yo-yo both quarterbacks all season um, and find a way to still win a national championship or at least get to the college football playoff. Kendall, is there any team in the SEC that you feel like can challenge uh, Alabama uh, seriously this year? Is there any team that can challenge Alabama seriously this year? In the Absolutely. SEC. In the in the entire SEC? Oh, the Georgia Bulldogs, EJ are for real. Yeah, they're they're um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're they're a legit contender to win it all. Uh they're a legit contender to threaten Alabama in the SEC. I don't think the SEC West has anybody. I, I think Mississippi State could be dangerous on a one game in a one game situation against Alabama. It was big for Auburn to get back Jared Stidham, who might end up being a Heisman Trophy candidate. Although I don't, I, I'm not buying that type of hype. Mm-hmm. But the only team for me is is Georgia. Uh, the SEs, I think the rest of it is really weak. And Georgia bringing back Jake Fromm, who similar to the Alabama situation, I don't think is the best quarterback on the roster. But bringing back Jake Fromm. Uh, you bring back DeAndre Swift, who, I mean, with their third string back last year, made tremendous plays as a freshman. Yeah. Now is going to be thrust into the starting spot, but it, he showed flashes of this kid could could absolutely play. Um, and they they don't be and don't be surprised if other guys like James Cook, who's the younger brother of Dalvin Cook, who also can ball, who I believe is a freshman. Um, and they lost Zamir White. Uh, who's the number one running back in the country to a torn ACL. And they kind of don't really, uh, they probably won't miss him on the roster this season. But uh, this, this team is, is absolutely loaded. Uh, The defense, obviously, yes, they lose Roquan Smith. That'll hurt. Uh, But I mean, I, I always look at the way these teams recruit and the last two years, Georgia has put together absolutely star-studded recruiting classes. And these guys are going to be playing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Tyson Campbell, a cornerback that was basically top five in the country, 
uh, true freshman out there. Um, but Kirby Smart clearly has a, a formula for this team to win now. Um, we saw it last year. I think they it, it had been a while since Georgia had been on that stage. But I think they're ready for it now. I think Jake Fromm, assuming he's the quarterback all season, will be now in his second year at the helm. It's tough because I was going to say, well, he's got a little more security now that he's been there for a year. And Jacob Eason is behind him, but now he's got to look behind and see Justin Fields. That's, that's probably less security than he had last year. But still, Jay Fromm is the man in that locker room, is the man at on campus right now at Georgia. Uh, and I think he's the best quarterback in the SEC, assuming it's not Justin Fields. But I think of the starting quarterbacks in the SEC, I think he's the best quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think that Georgia is a threat. Um I'm curious to see what happens with their defense. If there's uh, any um, any slippage with Roquan Smith gone, they still are bringing back a lot of their guys. I think six six of their stars will be back. Tyler Clark and uh, Ledbetter uh, on his defensive line. But uh, but I think what's going to be interesting is I think the front seven last year was Georgia's strength, and it very well still could be considering the way. Uh, smart recruits i mean he he has two five chip five star blue chip linebackers coming in this year and quay walker and adam anderson but the secondary i think and may end up being uh, his bread and butter and if you remember those alabama teams grades that front line was i thought kirby smart secondary the way he maneuvered in freshmen young guys every single year and and the way they were so dominant i think now with a, a experienced group uh, back there, I think they could be even better than they were last year in terms of the secondary. JRE at safety uh, was second in the team in tackles. Uh, you got Deandre Baker and Tyreek McGee both back at corner. So I agree, Georgia's tough, and I wouldn't sleep on Auburn either. Um, I know Auburn, they kind of lull people to sleep a little bit because they're not necessarily the most high powered offense. They lose um, a very dynamic back in, in carry on Johnson, but. Uh, they're still bringing back their quarterback. They're still bringing back a stout defense. So I would not sleep on on Auburn as well. I think that Auburn, that that Iron Bowl game is always a tricky one. It's hard for them to beat Alabama at Alabama, though. But they're a team also to look at. Yeah. Um, what's funny is that there there's a story. This is a little off topic, but. I just saw in relate in relation to Jay Fromm uh, and Tua Tagovailoa that uh, Nebraska had named their starting quarterback this week. Uh, Adrian Martinez, a freshman who you know Scott Frost had recruited when he got there, big time uh, recruit, big time uh, freshman that Nebraska will have a quarterback this year, and another quarterback who was in there, who was in that race to be the starter this year, uh, decided to transfer. Christian Gebbia decided to uh, uh, take himself out of school. He's not enrolled in class anymore. Literally the day after he lost the starting spot or he lost mm. the QB competition. And now it's becoming – and the same thing happened at Memphis where – at the Memphis College Football Program where uh, David Moore, quarterback, lost the QB competition to another quarterback, Brady White. And literally the day he lost the starting spot, decided to transfer. So that's two quarterbacks this week that said, I'm going to transfer because I lost my quarterback competition. 
And as astutely pointed out by David Hale of ESPN, quarterbacks that weren't the starter for week one last year, Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm, were also the quarterbacks on the field in the fourth quarter of the national championship game. Mm, yeah. So these guys nowadays that are just, if I lose, if I don't win the QB competition, I'm pulling, I'm pulling myself out of school. Uh, that seems a little drastic. But, I mean, it goes back to, um, remember we were watching The Herd, uh, yeah. with Colin Cowherd, and Joe Klatt was talking about the way these guys, these quarterbacks are brought up nowadays in this Elite 11 atmosphere where they're like individual sport athletes. And that was an excellent comparison that it he was. made. Yeah. Because these guys, if they're not the starter, if they're not leading the team, they like, they feel like they can only be one quarterback. There is no team concept when it comes to the quarterback position nowadays. And I think eventually we're going to start to see that trickle over into the NFL. And that will not also will not be good. It hasn't, it hasn't gotten there yet because still, like, the old guard is still kind of, you know, in that – that that generation of quarterbacks hasn't really made it to the NFL. If they have, they're not superstars yet. But eventually they will, and it'll be kind of weird. But in college football, it's it's it's, it's obviously run, running rampant. No, absolutely. Let's move on to kind of talk about um, another major favorite in this year's college football season. That's Ohio State. Of course, uh, there are a lot of questions surrounding the team following the, the Zach Smith scandal. Urban Meyer is suspended for the first three games. Uh, and he was crushed in his uh, what I thought was a pathetic uh, press conference performance he had following the announcement of the suspension. Can the Ohio State withstand that storm and win the Big Ten still, or is Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, or even someone else uh, poised to knock them off this year? In your opinion? Um, I'm going to be honest. I think there's a good chance that Michigan can win the Big Ten this year. So you're riding, you're you're on the Michigan bandwagon this year. I think Michigan can win the Big Ten. Um, I think that last game, uh, the game between Michigan and, and Ohio State, could very well decide who wins that division, and could also very well decide who makes the college football playoff out of the Big Ten. Because, I mean, Ohio State will very much run through a lot of the Big Ten, and will run through a lot of their schedule. That. TCU game is, is a game that I'm I'm watching, game that I've circled yeah. as a possible track game uh, for Ohio State. I believe that Penn State in Week Five. Uh, that'll that's when Urban Meyer will come back. <laughs> coincidentally enough, uh, but they won't have Urban Meyer for TCU, and I don't think TCU will be a complete pushover. You know, Gary Patterson is one of the coaches out there that. Always has his team ready yes. uh, every year and always puts out a good product out in Fort Worth. So I don't think it's a guarantee that Ohio State will be spectacular this season. I, they still have to figure out their quarterback position. It'll likely be Dwayne Haskins at quarterback over Tate Martell. And um, I mean, both guys, again, elite 11 quarterbacks, both guys, you know, four star, five star guys coming out of high school. So it's not as if. It's some you know impossible decision to make between the guys, but uh, or it's some hard decision to make. But regardless, neither one of these guys has any experience playing uh, high-level college football. And unlike the situation in Alabama, where I feel like I could play quarterback and we could still win eight, nine games, uh, I think at Ohio State you do need to 
have a real quarterback out there. And, and I think JT Barrett, he caught a lot of flack, but while he was limited in some regards, similar to Jalen Hurts, I think he also was one of the better game managers in college football. Um, one of the most experienced, if not the most experienced quarterback in college football last year, not having him this year, along with not having your head coach who's very hands-on with the offense, will not be uh, a good sign for Ohio State. Um, but on, but with Michigan, I look at, at some point, Jim Harbaugh is going to have to start winning. I don't think that he's on the hot seat right now. There's a lot of talk yeah. that, you know, Jim Harbaugh may be on the hot seat. I think they could win six games this year and he wouldn't get fired. They could win four games this year and he wouldn't get fired. Obviously, clearly, I don't think that's going to happen because I'm talking about them winning the Big Ten. But uh, next year is the year where if they don't compete for a playoff, if they don't compete for a playoff this year, if they go eight wins, seven, eight, nine wins, and they don't compete next year, then there's a chance that he could be out or he could be looking elsewhere, uh, maybe try to get back to the NFL. But I think this is the year where Michigan breaks through. I think the biggest problem with Michigan's teams over the last, or since Jim Harbaugh's gotten there, has been the mediocre, at best, quarterback player they've gotten. Yeah, they've gotten terrible yeah. quarterback player. I mean, they've gotten Wilton Spate was was a, a Mac was a Mac level quarterback, you know, trying to play at Michigan. No disrespect trying to, get to, them to the Cofflaw playoff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he almost did it a couple yeah, times, but crazy. you know, I mean, that there's no way you can tell me that, you know, no way, no way you can tell me that you can blast Jim Harbaugh like that for not winning with Wilton Spate or John O'Corn, who came from Houston, uh, and expected those guys were gonna win them a national championship. Now, if you want to blame Harbaugh for not recruiting quarterbacks, that that's 100 percent on Harbaugh because Harbaugh is supposed to be the, you know, the QB whisperer, the QB savant. Who got Andrew Luck and you know coached Colin Kaepernick and coached all these great quarterbacks? Then yeah, I, I I'm totally for that criticism of Jim Harbaugh. Well, the difference this year is I think Shea Patterson, uh, transferred from Ole Miss, had a chance to be a superstar at Michigan, and if that's the case then that changes the entire dynamic for this Michigan roster. It's not as if Jim Harbaugh hasn't had talent in Michigan. You know, it took it, it was always going to take time for him to get real, you know, college football playoff type talent in Michigan because that wasn't really there when he inherited the job. But he's had that chance to recruit that type of talent. Rayshon Gary from New Jersey was the number one recruit out of the country in the country coming out of New Jersey two, three years ago is now a junior. I expect him to break through as one of the best players in college football. Um, but again, I think Shea Patterson will very much be in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Wow. Okay. I, I think I, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about him as the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft next year. And Wow. Okay. I mean, just, it, oh, just the scolding hot takes today. Yeah, I, I think when you watch the film on Shea Patterson, he, he reminds me of Johnny Manziel in many ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, and a lot of the good ways, not the bad ways. Idea, hopefully. I mean, yeah, I mean, Shea Patterson in the in the in the little time we got to see him at Ole Miss, uh, showed some flashes of of being you know, quite nice uh, as a quarterback, and obviously he comes with a big pedigree in terms of his recruiting uh, situation. I will tell you what, in terms of Ohio State, 
it's so I'm so torn on Ohio State, honestly, Kendall, because there's nothing besides maybe a little bit of questions at quarterback. But to me, I think Haskins showed last year against Michigan that he can get the job done. Uh, and the defense should also be outstanding again. The stat, uh, there's nothing really on their roster that suggests that they won't be able to be the team at the top. But I do, I do think there is something to this constant uh, uh, cloud that's been hanging over the program over the course of the training camp. They're, that's all. I know, you know, I know it's really has little to do with the players, um, but it just it's a lot to kind of handle where where you have this situation. Where you don't know if Urban's gonna stay. He's gonna go. Now he's suspended. Um, what's the deal when he comes back? The last game, uh, 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 the last game of his suspension is against is on the road at TCU. I mean, that's not going to be an easy game under any circumstances. So, I I just feel like at some point those kind that kind of cloud eventually catches up to you. Um, I think they kind of catch Penn State at a bad time. To me, I, I think I, if I was if I was uh, Meyer or Ohio State, I would have preferred maybe to catch Penn State a little later where, you know, Urban could kind of get his coaching legs underneath him before that m- massive matchup under the lights. And so that's going to be in early September. Usually that game is much later in the season. I know late in the season they got at Michigan. Uh, of course, they go home at Michigan to end the season in a week, few weeks before they're at Michigan State. So to throw Penn State in there wouldn't necessarily been ideal. But just because of the suspension situation, I'd. Uh, that's that's a tough early game to have on the schedule, especially one that will have conference championship implications. So I, I agree. I, I do think that there's a chance Ohio State may slip up. I, I just can't find, for me, though, the team that's going to leap them uh, to get to the top of the Big Ten. I, I know you're high on Michigan. For me, there's reason to be high because I agree. Shea Patterson is good, and that defense is outstanding. But... I think it's one of those, I got to believe it before I see it, things with Jim Harbaugh. I'm not going to say that uh, I've completely uh, jumped ship in terms of the Harbaugh train, in terms of what he will do at Michigan. But uh, we're now in year three here, and I think last year, I think by all accounts, we'd all consider that disappointment, right? What he did? Yeah. Oh, eight wins, nine wins, what they got. I mean, it was, it was, it, it's me, if Brady Hulk would have done that, we would have said that it was a terrible season. So I can't give. Harbaugh a complete pass because I feel like the whole quarterback situation is something that he hasn't said it, but I feel like he kind of carries himself as if he can take any quarterback and take them far. So yeah, exactly. while yes, it has been a handicap, it's kind of a handicap. I feel like he creates. I don't feel like he's really brought in that guy that I feel like I'd have confidence in bringing over top. I don't think that he's looked for that guy, really. I don't think he cared, yeah. I don't think he cared. I think it was a little bit of ego. I think, you know, he in his, what was his reputation in uh, in the NFL? He took Alex Smith, who was a reclamation project, a bust by most accounts, and turned him into a Pro Bowl quarterback. And then, similar to the whole uh, Hurts and what's-the-name situation, what he do is he went to Colin Kaepernick, who was, uh, who, who was you know, what, second or third-round pick. And in the middle of the season, side, you know, we're going to go with him. And he took him all the way to the Super Bowl. I think there's that. I think he does have that kind of feel that he can take whatever quarterback and he can coach him up to get whatever results he needs out of them. So I can't give him a pass over what I saw. So I'm going to believe I'm going to believe it when I see it in regards to how they produce offensively. And I think I tell you what, I think the team that we got to look at, though, if there's going to be a team to knock them off, it's going to be Wisconsin. I think Penn State is losing 
too many major offensive weapons for Trace McSorley to to overwrite all that on his own. He's a great player. Um, and I think that they may knock off Ohio State in an early season game. But for a team that recruits well, I still think losing uh, um, Hamilton and, of course, Deshaun Bar- uh, Saquon Barkley, that's – those those are massive losses Mike, to me, Gizeki. and of course Gazeki as well. So I can't put Penn State in there, but I think Wisconsin. Uh, they had the best offensive line. Their running back might win the Heisman Trophy. He broke Adrian Peterson's uh, rushing record. I, I think that there might be the team if there was a team that's going to knock them off to look at. I think Wisconsin is going to be very dangerous, and they play in a terrible division every single year. Their division is much worse. Um, Iowa may be sneaky good and may challenge them in there, but uh, that side of, the, of the, the division in the Big Ten is, is just so weak. I can't see who takes them. I guess because uh, I, I, I kind of got twisted around. Is Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State are in separate brackets, right? You find that word? No, they're in the same They're division. the same one, right? Yeah, because they play every year. Yeah, they're both in the East. Yeah, so like the East is so loaded. Like the West is is, is just, it's it's not as strong. And I think uh, Wisconsin will have an easy uh, route to get to Indianapolis. And obviously they they did not that didn't help them last year when they faced Ohio State. But I think with a, a rematch, uh, and maybe an Ohio State team that's a little more uh, has goes with a little more attrition than they did last year. That might be a game to watch. That would be one thing I would look at there. Uh, kind of let's let's move on now. Let's talk a little bit about Clemson. So they're the team that comes into this year number two in the coaches poll. They're expected once again to be the beast of the ACC. They've really dominated that conference over the last three years, I would say. Uh, they returned Kelly Bryant, who we talked about earlier, who beat out uh, Lawrence for the for the job. Uh, and they have a defensive line, Kendall, that is unbelievable. Uh, I think that if you're going to want to watch a dominant unit, if you're not talking about just one player, like what's a unit to look at, I think that you need everyone needs to pay attention to Clemson's defensive line. They could have three or four guys go very high in the draft. That's how good they are. Uh, of course, in that conference, you still have upstart Miami. Mark Rick's doing great things down there. FSU's rebuilding. Uh, Kendall, is there is there any way any of those teams could knock uh, the Tigers out of the college football playoff? Uh, I've seen everyone pencil Clemson in. Yeah, which uh, is kind of unfortunate for the for the ACC that no one really feels a threat. See, I mean, obviously, college football is really weird. Uh, and they're, they're, Clemson's going to be favored in every game they play. You know, that's that's already a fact. Does that mean that Clemson will win every game they play? I mean, last year, did they lose to Syracuse? If I'm not yeah, that was a weird game. Well, Brian got like, hurt I mean, in the middle of it. And Syracuse plays a very weird brand of football, if you ever watched them play. Yeah, they try you know, to have the like many plays as possible, play. and they run. They basically just tire you out. Yeah. Um, so is it impossible that Clemson could lose in some in the dog days of you know October or November in a random game on the road in the ACC? It's not impossible. So I wouldn't certainly pencil in any team for the college football playoff. But uh, I think it's fair to say though that Clemson would be. Favored, heavily favored in every game against any ACC team they would play this season. Um, you mentioned the defensive line, whether it's uh, Clellan Farrell or Dexter Lawrence. They have elite talent on that side of the ball. 
Um, they they bring back uh, what call it? They bring back Kelly Bryant at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, they bring back Hunter Renfro. They've got obviously talent. Deion Kane, I believe. Is Deion Kane back? I believe Deion Kane is back as well. So I mean, this is a team that's obviously got talent. Uh, only thing that you have to worry about is honestly the quarterback position. Because Deion Kane's not back, by the way. He's Deion Kane is not back. No, Hunter Renfro is back. Yeah, but he's on the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Yeah, because I, you know, it's funny because I thought I had heard something about Deion. Kane. That's why I had to ask, is he back? Because I thought I heard something about him. I don't know if he got hurt or something. But regardless, um, but I feel like when you look at this Clemson team, the only thing you have to I wonder is, do they have a ceiling? I mean, that goes back to the whole Tula uh, Hurts conversation which is going to be this case. We're going to have this conversation now for the next, like, five years. We're going to have it every year now because all these top quarterbacks end up going to the same schools. So every year, a team's got a five-star quarterback coming in uh, that's going to be backing up another incumbent starter, and people are going to ask the question, is the backup better than the starter? So that, that question will likely be asked at some point with Trevor Lawrence, uh who's the number one, well, depending on who you ask, the number one quarterback coming out of high school, number one pro-style quarterback coming out of high school, uh, compared to uh, Kelly Bryant, who is a senior, been with the program for four years, uh, learned under Sean Watson, got a full year to start and led his team to the college football playoff. But people feel like his ceiling is not nearly as high as Trevor Lawrence's. I don't think that his... I, it's interesting, because... I think I'm no expert. At least I wouldn't consider myself an expert on, you know, Trevor Lawrence's ability versus Justin Fields. But I always always gotten the, the, the sense that Fields was more ready to play given his dual threat ability, mm-hmm. given what we saw at the Elite Eleven. Yeah. But the sentiment is that Lawrence has a better chance of starting than Justin Fields ever will because Jake Fromm is much better than Kelly Bryant. So the idea is that that could Kelly Bryant not look great? And then Dabo Sweeney say that we're going to go to to uh, Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that's impossible. Uh, but Dabo Sweeney says that uh, Kelly Bryant has looked better this year. He looks way more confident than he did this time last year. I'm going to take him at his word. And if that's the case, I don't see too much on this Clemson schedule. Uh, also in the defensive line, they also have Xavier Thomas, who was like a top five player coming out of high school. So, to couple that with uh, Dexter Lawrence and uh, Clayton Farrell, but no, I don't see I don't see too much on this this Clemson schedule that that would scare me if I were a Tiger fan. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, you know, Kelly Bryant, I feel like it's weird because from from the whole from field situation, I think maybe because of just how Kirby Smart was kind of handling it, it felt like more of a possibility that fields could come and take over i mean everyone knew about lawrence but i didn't i, ne- I never personally got the feel that he was going to challenge bryant um maybe that was just yeah. my own feel but I, I think dabble handled that better if his intention was always to go to kelly bryant he, yeah he yeah he never it was more from the fans like yeah the, the fans, fans talked about i don't think that there ever really was a consideration that oh no, Bryant's gonna be on the bench week one. I never thought, and that no one's talking about Trevor Lawrence getting on the field this year. Right? Like, yeah, everyone seems to think that it'll just be Bryant throughout the entire way. And I'll tell you what, I think that Bryant 
in some ways, I know Lawrence is all world, but Bryant, I thought he played really well last year. I mean, I, I know he was, he was coming off of replacing one of the greatest college football quarterbacks of all time in Deshaun Watson, but I thought that considering what he was replacing and what he was expected to do, I thought he he had one bad game. The game he got hurt and they lost, I thought he was playing okay. So I think having him back is not a minus, it's a plus. I know Clemson's offense was a little uh, uneven at times last year. In Alabama, he, he gave them no chance. But as we saw, I, I'm not sure if really any college football offense would have been able to put together the kind of game and the quarterback situation necessary to beat them. Um Auburn got red hot running the football, and Malzahn, he has saved his number a little bit. So I, they're kind of always uh, like an outlier to me. I don't really take what they do compared to everyone else. I don't think any other team was doing anything against that defense. So I think Brian deserves the job. You're right when you talk about uh, Renfro being back. Uh, sadly, because I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan, and I think most people look at them as the number two team to that would probably face them again in the ACC championship game I just still feel like this Clemson team is, is still to me they're like baby Alabama I know they don't want to sit, hear that because you know they've battled Alabama two out of the last three years three three in a years in a row in the college football playoff two out of the last three years in the national championship game beat them once uh but to me like I, I just think that they're so far away from everyone else in their conference it's going to be hard for anyone to nip at their heels but Miami is coming back. They 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 are they are not that far away. I think when they're able to shore up the offensive line and and, and work on the depth because they're still somewhat recovering from still those sanctions. I know they're long gone, but it takes years to kind of overcome that kind of hit they took from the NCAA. They'll be they'll be close maybe in like two years. But right? I think last year maybe they were a year ahead of schedule. I think that this year they probably would do something similar to what they did last year, which would be like a 10-3 and situation. Florida State has a whole new coach. Um, I don't really know what to make of Taggart at this point, so I, I can't jump <laughs> out of the window and say that Funny, they're going to not was... challenge Clemson. They could beat Clemson on a one-game situation because is anything can happen, and they have as much talent as anyone, but... I have kind of see what I, I have to see what I see from Tiger before I, I say anything. I don't think that losing Jimbo though is as much a, a tragedy as maybe the FSU fans think. I think he was kind of on the decline before he left. Yeah, Jimbo, and you saw the trouble he got at Texas A&M. Yeah, he's already week. in trouble. So I think yeah. <laughs> for me, it's like don't let the door hit you on the way out. I, I yeah. think that they could. I don't know if Tiger's the guy. I'm willing to, see, to let, let him give have a shot, but I, I think that that Jimbo thing of him ever like. Bringing them back to that—that that was not going to happen again. They were on the decline. They needed the fact that they probably got rid of him a year, two year. He left two years early. And maybe he would have got fired or tried to run out of there before anyway. CBS they do a, a candid coaches a candy coaches uh, series where they ask coaches anonymously uh, various questions in both college football and college basketball. Right. And one of the questions in college football was, who's the most overrated coach? Who's the most underrated coach in college football? guess who overrated was. And Willie Taggart came came away number one. Uh, James Franklin was also on the list. I think he was number two. What else two guys got in common? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I I thought about that, too. But (laughs) we we all thought about it. But to cover, cover, I I thought about it. I was like, that's a bad look. But 
what helps is that on the underrated coaches list, David Shaw was on there. So I was like, oh, okay, all right, he was yeah, number yeah. one. All right, I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I'll got respect for David Shaw. So yeah, yeah, like, shout, out, shout out to uh, Reese Waters. I would say we're gonna have some. Uh, we're gonna have to have a slide, new slide crew ratings. If we're gonna yeah, have exactly. This, we have if we're gonna have this slander of black college football coaches, a few we have. But Kirk Ferentz was also on the list. Lane Kiffin, Tom Herman, and Jim. Do you think Kirk Ferentz is overrated? Yeah, he also got some votes for underrated, which is strange. Yeah, I feel like it kind of goes back and forth with him. I think he's really good. I, I mean, I, I don't know if he's like a See, wizard, that's the thing. I think people like you that say Kirk is a great coach even after you win seven games is, is is why I think some people feel he's overrated. Right, but like the talent pool he has to choose but from yeah, is But yeah, it's Iowa. I mean, you always, have to, you always yeah. have to keep that in consideration. It's Iowa. So like anytime so, he like, when he beats Ohio State by 30 points, I'm sorry, that's always going to be impressive to me. Yeah, you can say that the guy Ohio State's getting the guys he's getting, like you know, I know he's actually in some ways seems to always be in a good position to get great offensive lines, but like even still, like that's I, I I mean I'm not saying he's a Hall of Fame, but I I think he's a very good coach. I don't know why people keep saying he should go to the NFL. I would never want him as my NFL head coach. I think he's fine. Yeah, also that's where some, probably some of it comes from as well. Yeah, those guys they definitely they see that check that they see that bag he might get if he leaves, and they're like, what <laughs> for winning eight games at Iowa? Come on now. Uh, I understand that, but I, I don't know. I, I think that's um, a little harsh. One name for one name in the ACC to remember, EJ. Uh, and I think you'll know where I'm going yeah, with this. I, think I know where you're going. Is my guy oh, Kenny I, Pickett? No, I did not know where you were going there. Yeah, man, I'm going with my guy Kenny Pickett. I actually thought, I think, you, I actually thought for a second you'd be uh, unbiased here and, and and say someone like I don't know AJ Dillon who may win the Heisman uh, playing for BC. He's pretty nah. good. He ran for like two thousand, almost two thousand yards last year. No, nah, we don't care about BC. Okay, over here, <laughs> BC is irrelevant. But but Pitt is very relevant, and our quarterback Kenny Pickett. The buzz around around the Pitt football team is that Kenny Pickett. There's a quiet confidence that he might be the best quarterback in the ACC, and we'll we'll get a we'll get a very close look at Kenny Pickett on the national scene. Week two against Penn State, so it's not as if he'll be some secret. I mean, he, he wasn't a secret after he beat Miami as a true freshman. But there again, there's the there's the confidence in, in camp, the quiet confidence that you know that I think the Pitt staff feels like they have a superstar. Uh, one of our wide receivers, Trey Tipton, said that he thinks Kenny Pickett will win a Heisman Trophy by the time he leaves Pitt. So. You know, not not. I don't think he's uh, tooting his own quarterback's horn or anything, but uh, I think that will be a name to remember, especially come week two if Pitt can find a way to upset Penn State at home. And if you're looking at other like uh, notable uh, things, to look at in the conference uh, week one, they get right off in terms of a big game. Virginia oh yeah, Tech plays big, Florida State. huge game. I mean, that's that's a that's a massive game. I mean, I know. Neither team is favored to win in their divisions, but they could easily finish two in their division. They could easily challenge. So uh, that's going to be a very interesting game. I know Virginia Tech's had some issues losing starters, uh, but but that's going to be a, a very, very interesting game. And is I know Paul Florida, Johnson still at Georgia Tech? Uh, I don't know. I, I think so. I, I said Virginia Tech, by the way. I wasn't. Yeah, no, I'm just asking. Oh, you're just asking. I, yeah, I think just, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he shouldn't. Uh, I don't think he should be there anymore. I mean, maybe that's me selfishly saying that because I hate playing Georgia Tech, but I feel like that team should be better than they always are. 
I feel like they're wow. limited. They're they're dangerous, but I feel like they're also limited by the fact that they run the triple option. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, I mean, I think I I, I will always say that like if Notre Dame decided to hire uh, the coach of Navy, uh, can't pronounce his last name, but Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not even gonna butcher it. Um, I think I think he could win. I think he would win big. Uh, maybe not national championship big, but I think he could win like. 10 games consistently running triple option. But at Georgia Tech, I mean, that's a gimmick that will win you six games every year. You No worse, no less, no, no less, no more. You're going to be a five to eight, five to seven win team every year. If you win nine games, you got lucky. If you lose four games, you're doing something wrong. Or you win four games, you're doing something wrong. So, I I mean, it, it, and it's been so long. I think they've tried it. It was uh, it was an ambitious move to hire Paul Johnson. Yeah, I mean, the second year he went to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, that was and it looked great, but that wasn't with his talent. Now he's bringing in his guys, and they've gotten nothing done. It feels like, and they've had their fair share of nice wins. I believe didn't they beat Florida State a couple years ago? Yeah, uh, or they competed against them in a really close game, but it just I don't know. Complete sidebar there, but I, I feel like Paul Johnson. He was five and six last year. The year in between that they were nine and four, and then the year before that three and nine. So I feel like, um, I think for Paul Johnson it's gonna be one of those things where just like, uh, how does the uh, boosters and the higher ups feel about just being like the middle of the pack? Yeah, the fans that's don't know what care. they are. I mean, it's Atlanta. Atlanta sports well, is really me, yeah, uh, like yeah, that's the thing. Really like the weak, George, like George Tech doesn't really have a fan base, so like yeah, it's hard for really it's hard for like me to really say they need to get rid of him because it's like. Well, if they don't really care, why why should I care? You know, like everyone in the state of Georgia is a is a Georgia is a UG football fan, UGA football fan. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they're like, happy. Even if you're from Atlanta, like they don't care. Yeah, um, it's it's uh and for I'm basketball, sure... it's a little more. It's still not a pressure yeah, cooker, really but it's a little either. more. What? They don't really care for them either. Yeah, they don't really care for yeah. them either. As you, I mean, Josh Pastner, he. he he loves the 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 spotted Georgia Tech yeah, he's hiding in, hiding in plain sight, which is crazy because you would think. I mean, I mean, it's in Atlanta. It's a major. That's a ma- it should be a major sports market, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think people care about sports in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's like there's other it's things to do in Atlanta. A, yeah, it's never really been a great sports town. The Braves haven't been good in like a decade. They're great this year. Yeah, but I mean, like. I mean, when like, like Bobby Cox was there. Yeah, of course. That's when they were like a. Do you think the Braves are a dynasty? Completely off topic. Were you, they a dynasty? You, was that yeah? Was that a dynasty? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it wasn't a dynasty like the Yankees, but yeah. But it was a dynasty, you think? Yeah, they, I would like, say like, like in the normal sports, whatever the hell they did. Yeah. In the normal sense of the. I shouldn't say this. I'm a Mets fan, but I kind of agree. I think that we we like I know dynasty usually means winning like the whole thing, but like. I think if you like win your division that many times in a row, like, but I would say the Bills were. That's not as close to a dynasty. I don't know what it is, but it's not just a normal team. So uh, the only other thing I think of is dynasty. So I would agree. What were you saying? You said the Bills are are not a dynasty, or you? I would say that's they're as close to a dynasty as you can get. I mean, the year I mean when they went to four straight. See, I don't think they're a dynasty. I don't think four four is enough. Four Super Bowls in a row. Yeah, but they didn't, that it's di- like the Braves going like again. It was like twenty straight or whatever they did. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. Like four. I'm like no. I know it's a Super Bowl, but I can't say you're a dynasty. You're just 
you were just a very you're a great team that couldn't win. Um. Anyway, that was a very interesting sidebar. Uh, I felt like it was when you mentioned the Braves and what they were doing. I couldn't uh, avoid it. Uh, quickly, Kendall, what do you think of Notre Dame this year? Uh, they they remain one of the most talked about programs in the country. They entered this year number twelve. They have some huge holes to fill on the offensive line, and they have a tough schedule. Uh, do you think that uh, they'll be a factor when it comes to the college football playoff in the end? I think uh, huge huge holes is uh, selling it short. We talk talking about losing Quinn Nelson. Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. Maybe the two um, best offensive linemen in the draft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, no, I think Notre Dame will not be a factor. I think that this will be Brian Kelly's last year at Notre Dame. He's going to get fired? Yeah. Yeah, I think. No, he's not getting fired. I can't rock with you on that. Like, okay. You you think think this is going to be a disastrous year, or you think that he just. I mean, I think seven. Seven wins. That's a disaster. And I think he gets the act. Yeah, seven, maybe eight, and, and there'll be some real pressure. Uh, he, he might eight. be able to get by eight. I know it's only one game. If he gets eight, he's surviving. Seven yeah, wins, he, he's he's getting fired. Well, right, let me pull up the, the Notre Dame schedule. Man. I haven't looked it's at tough. it. I looked at it before, and I was like, it's. It wasn't like, like super daunting. Where I was like, there's no way they can compete for a, a playoff. But I mean, well, I think just like every, every year, year, but like Notre Dame is like. I mean, Michigan well, and USC average. are their non-conference games. Like, yeah, exactly. and, and, and then they have Stanford, too. Like, we just, like, assume, like, because it's every year, we kind of just, like, oh, that's not that bad, right? It's like, no, that's awful. Like, you see who Alabama's playing. <laughs> you see who every other major team is playing in their non-conference. Yeah. And then, like, and then they have, like, the ACC as their, quote, conference, basically. So, like, so you got Virginia Tech in there. You got Florida State. I mean, it's brutal. Like, they, they play... Yeah, this is gonna be tough. I mean, I think Michigan's much better than them, but we'll get to the Michigan game later. But you've got Michigan, Vandy should be a win, but again, they're an SEC school. Not impossible that they would lose that game. They have to win that game for Brian Kelly, for Brian Kelly's sake. But Stanford, not an easy game. Pitt, if Kenny Pickett is as good as I think he is, not won't be an easy game. Northwestern won't be an easy game. We talked about Syracuse, Ball State will be a win. Wake Forest should be a win. Virginia Tech. That's a tough one. That's on the road. Yeah, Virginia Yeah, exactly. I don't think Notre Dame's as good as they're ranked. So I think I, that I don't think they'll be favored in that game. Uh Navy on the road will also not be an easy game. And then you have you've closed the year out with Florida State and USC. So I see right now I, I say I see one, two, three, four, five games where I would say they're very likely to lose. I mean, it's this is a very tough schedule to manage. I, and then like three, four more games that they could possibly lose. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I don't. I mean, I don't hold about him getting fired. That's a lot. But this this year, I think this year could go a lot of different ways. Um, if they're able to somehow navigate through all of this, they could end up being a a, a very very good team. Because despite what we talked about, which was the terrible issues that they may have on the offensive line, and to be fair, the rest of the guys on that line are still excellent. But, of course, you're losing a guy like uh, 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 Nelson. Um, that, that That's that's crucial. But they were a very young team last year, and they, they were able to rebound from that. Uh, a lot of their skill position players are all back. And their defense should still be really good. So, it, it's kind of a, 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 you know, it's kind of weighing the things. Like, okay, do I weigh the schedule and the loss in the offensive line against the fact that they played a lot of young guys last year and they played exceptionally well and way above what we thought they would do? 
Um, how much of that was because they got such great offensive line play in terms of what they did offensively? It's 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 definitely a tricky thing to kind of weigh, but uh, but I do think that this schedule is going to be tough Notre Dame to, to overcome. Um, I, I'm not going to say that Brian Kelsey and Shapes get fired, but I think I think that they'll get no more than nine wins. If they get nine wins in this schedule, I think that's a very good year. And I would not at all say that was a disappointment. But I, I just think that you're bound to trip up in the ACC. And I don't think they're sweeping uh, Michigan, USC, and uh, and Stanford. No way. They're losing one of those games. <laughs> yeah, no, two no of them way. are at home, and they're going to lose at least one of those games. So the best case scenario I just laid out there, they're 10-2. That they lose one and then lose one in the ACC. Ten and two will make them a playoff contender. Ten and two, yeah. If they lose, they go ten and two with this schedule. They're, this they're one, this would be one of the first years where I would seriously be considering a two loss team for the college football playoff, assuming they aren't like three undefeated, something crazy like that. Right. Because you manage this schedule and you're able to get to that record, then yeah, you should be considered. I just yeah, I, yeah, I would I be surprised if they're able to do that because again, that's a lot to kind of overcome. But uh, but they're gonna be they're gonna be fun to watch because of it because I think they're a team that for better or for worse this could end up being a special year or it could end up being a disaster because like if one of these early losses hurts them and they kind of get that situation where it snowballs then who knows what can happen and that's kind of what I'm looking at man I mean I see Michigan if they lose that Michigan game they'll likely beat Vanderbilt and then I mean you might if, if you face Bryce Love in your third game. And if at against Stanford and David Shaw, who I think is one of the five best coaches in college football, now you're already one and two, and now you're facing Pitt, and you got Northwestern, two teams that are always tough to play, and, and it can, it, like you said, it could literally snowball. You could start the season two and four in a blink, and you're like, whoa, or two and three, and, and like, and now you're way out of the conversation, and now the the fans are chirping about. Brian Kelly's got to go mm-hmm. because he couldn't beat uh, Michigan, Stanford, and Northwestern. So, I, I mean, again, maybe we're jumping the gun. Maybe we're underrating this Notre Dame team. But, like you said, losing your, your two best offensive linemen who had been your starters for essentially four years. And, I mean, they just now today – Named Brandon Wimbush the quarterback. I don't know why that took that long. Yeah, I'm like, dude, the incumbent. But that, you see, that's kind of why I'm never going to get high on Kelly because he always does these games, and it's like, I don't know. I, I'm, he's, I'm never going to be a guy who's like a Kelly guy because yeah. crap like that. And I, I think at some point <laughs> it's going to be the same for the administration. <laughs> right. I don't think they love him. I mean, but the thing is, though, like he, he's been so much. But like, I, I agree that he's kind of the, they the bar has been set kind of low at Notre Dame, but like. I remember like the Ty Willingham and some of those other uh, coaches before Charlie like, Weiss. Charlie Weiss, where I mean, what Kelly does, I mean they they are usually pretty decent, and sometimes they can be very good, like last year. Like I I don't think they're gonna be running to get rid of him because of that. The what what will kill him is whenever there are like sky high expectations again and they fall short. And I think there are like big expectations this year for them, but I, I do think that if I think they might be able to explain away a down season because of the schedule. Uh, I don't know if he could survive two years in a row like this. If he does this next year, maybe I'll be agreeing with you. But no, I'm gonna say Kelly is. What I'll say about Notre Dame, 
is they win they could win eight or nine games this year, especially eight wins. And Kelly will be out of a job if there is an obvious replacement. Because a lot of times in college coaching, coaches these these programs make these moves knowing already knowing who the guy is. Like Texas fired Charlie Strong because they knew Tom Herman at Houston was doing a better job than Charlie Strong was. And they knew Tom Herman was obviously going to take the Texas job. You know, like Memphis fired uh, Tubby Smith because they knew Penny Hardaway was the guy. Right. So if there's some guy, I don't, I, I, it's, there's nobody right now. You know, Nebraska, you know, whoever the coach was, Mike Riley, he was out of the job because they knew, all right, Scott Frost doing a great job at UCF and is an alumni. You know, it, it was an obvious logical move. Whoever the guy is, we don't know who it is at this point. But there may be some guy with a tight in order name, some guy in the NFL that they're targeting that may come up as the biggest name in college football. And if that's the case, I think Notre Dame would be more than willing to move on from Brian Kelly to get whoever the guy is. I think if Notre Dame does have a big year, it'll be because their defense. Uh, defense is bringing almost everybody back. Their secondary is uh, dynamite. Defensive line uh, lost guys and may actually end up being better for who they're replacing them with. So uh, I think that defense is going to be where Notre Dame's have to hang its hat. And then uh, they just need to get Wimbush to, to give them, I think, solid quarterback play. He's going to have weapons to go to. Um, it's just a matter of, of whether or not they're able to keep the turnovers down and keep themselves in games. If they're able to do that. I think they'll be uh, they'll be okay. But again, losing Nelson uh, McGlinchey, I mean that those are are again huge loss. I can't emphasize that enough. I keep saying that, um, and and that certainly could have masked whatever issues they may have had offensively that really only got shown when they faced Miami later in the year or later in the year. Uh, so that's something to look at as well. So let's Kendall, let's get uh, to talk quickly about the Red River rivalry because uh, I feel like there's a lot more juice back in this rivalry. I think it's been dormant pretty much since the Colt McCoy days. You can maybe even go further back and say the Vince Young days, but certainly I think Colt McCoy and Sam. Yeah, Bradford, I'll say Colt McCoy. Yeah, yeah. Those, those days were lit. Yo, those days were lit. We were getting like one versus two games. Yeah, and it's back been, in those days, it's been dead pretty much since then. Well, really, Texas has been dead pretty much since then. Uh. I think I saw a stat this today when I was in preparation saying they they had they've had I think six quarterbacks since then, like so, nah. like six or seven something crazy like just every multiple years where they had like multiple quarterbacks like they they've been a mess this entire time. Some some teams have had like I'm sure BYU's had one. Yeah, well, Taysom Hill unfortunately. <laughs> Taysom Hill, wore Tanner out Mangum, that, he wore out that that uh, eligibility <laughs> as much as he could. You know, it, again, I don't want to do too many rhyme sandbars because we have so much. We don't have that much time today. But like, do you know that there's like a a mini, uh, what's the word? Like a mini thing online that people think that Taysom Hill may be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Oh, they're, 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 that he looks that good in preseason. Really? Yeah. That would be. <laughs> there's there's something funny about that because again, Taysom what? Hill plays like ten years in college football. That dude but, can fly still. Yeah, like, even after like when, that, like what, like two ACLs from like yeah, that. I mean, there were some plays in preseason where he he broke the pocket and he was gone, 
and I and he's throwing the ball pretty well too. I I I'm just saying. I, I don't, tell you what, man. There like, are people out there that are saying this stuff about Hill. I don't know. BYU, like, I know you know as a as a West Coast Conference basketball fan, but like BYU, they find I don't know how, but they find some athletes out there in Utah. I remember Kyle Collins were. You watched it. You put it on the tape of Connor Collinsworth. That guy was doing some stuff where you're like, I, I didn't know he had bounce like that. Yeah. You know, and yeah, like Taysom did. Hill has has wheels, like you said, like a like a running back. I feel like they have like their own like network of uh, some of you guys are Mormon. Um, and yeah, I think they kind of just snag up all the great athletes. <laughs> you know, like I th- yeah, I think that's part of it. And then like there are some other guys who may be linked. To other, you know, Mormon Mormon organizations, or they get a lot of guys who are like transfers, JUCO transfer, things like that, and and but yeah, BYU, you're right, football and basketball, they like there never is a shortage of like good athletes for them. You know, they've also football teams recruited very well in the Polynesian area too. Hawaiians and yes. Samoans, they've done a very good job with. Uh, but t- talking to back about the River rivalry, that was a really crazy sidebar we just went on um i feel like there is juice that's back in the red river rivalry uh we talked about texas they returned to the top 25 this year after several down seasons um san ellinger ellinger uh hopes to build on some nice moments last year at qb uh meanwhile oklahoma replaces uh baker mayfield who won the hiding trophy and was the number one pick in the draft uh in what was a, a banner season for the school with kyler murray who of course is a number one draft pick uh in baseball he was in the first round he's a first round pick for the athletics oakland athletics uh, but he will play football this year they also have all those weapons that pretty much uh flourished under mayfield and i remember doing the show last year we kept talking about besides the tight end how all those other guys do a lot of freshmen a lot of juco guys and now they're all household names and they're all star players so um it'll be interesting to see how they do with now murray under center so kendall do you think that ut is closing the gap under tom herman in year two here or do you think that there's still a big wide gap between them and Texas? Uh, it's tough. What I'll say is this, EJ. I don't think Texas is going to be spectacular this year, like in the national championship picture. But I think the Big 12 is down. Um, I don't think that OU is going to be spectacular this year. Honestly, if you want, to, uh, you want, you want a hot take. Okay. I, I don't think I can have a hot take hotter than – Shea Patterson's the next Johnny Manziel, but <laughs> yeah, uh, might be the I, one picking the draft. Yeah, you, you, you went. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might be the one picking the draft. I don't know if I can go that far, but what I'll say is, and I love Kyler Murray. You know, I, I think he'll have a great baseball career. I loved him coming out of high school, and could have a good year this year. I don't know, but I think Oklahoma's going to lose Week One to Florida Atlantic. So that's, that's not going to happen. If that were to happen, that would certainly spell trouble for the rest of the Big Twelve. I mean, it could be great if you're—I mean, if you're—if you're, if you're, if you're a fan, if you're—if you want to win the Big Twelve, it's a good sign that okay, Oklahoma is not that good. But uh, in the sense that if you're just a fan of Big Twelve football and you want the conference to be as nationally relevant as possible, uh, I think they—I—I've—I don't know. I think it's going to be a trap game. You know, new quarterback. Uh, going against a veteran Florida Atlantic team that nearly went unbeaten last year. Uh, Lane Kiffin is no no slouch. You know I'm a huge Lane Kiffin fan. I, I just that just feels like an L to me, and 
Now, Texas, on the other end, plays Maryland. They will probably throttle Maryland on the road. Uh, but I I look at the Big 12, and I think Texas, talent-wise, is it possible they can win it? it is, I think it's very possible. But I don't think it's because they're that great. It's just because the rest of the Big 12. I mean, West Virginia will be in the conversation because of Will Greer. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, TCU is not is always good, but Gary Patterson. But there's nothing talent wise that, that separates them. Um, and Oklahoma State's trying to replace their two best players and on offense and and on the whole roster in James Washington and Mason Rudolph. I mean, the Big Twelve is tough. I also think Iowa State will be a team to watch. Uh, with Matt Campbell, who did an excellent job last year. I think they'll have more continuity. I think they could be dangerous. But this is a weak conference. <laughs> no, no other way to say it. I mean, the Big 12 has been extremely tough the last four years. Every game has been a tough game. I don't I don't think this is the year. I think there are going to be some gamey games. I think OU will float, will be head above water most of the year, only on the, only on the strength of, or only on the weakness of the rest of the conference. Wow, some wow. <laughs> uh I can't say I agree with you on the whole Oklahoma FAU thing. Uh I think uh Oklahoma will will destroy FAU uh at home. But uh, Notre Dame has some I mean, excuse me. O- Oklahoma has been crevy sometimes those like weird clunkers in early in the season. I don't think that happens this year. But, <laughs> that was Bob Stoops. Yeah, that was the Stoops era. I don't know if that will change now that they have a new guy. Uh Run the show. In terms of the question at hand of whether or not um, the gap is closing, I I, I want to believe in Texas, Kendall. I really do. Um, if there's any year to believe in Texas of the recent years, I feel like this is the year. Um, I talked about Ranger. I think that he showed um, he could be capable of both his arm and his legs. They have some huge wide receivers on the outside. Um and, and the cover wasn't completely bare. That was left for uh, Tom Herman from Charlie Strong, and, and those players are now starting to develop. I, I'm going to say it's closing. I think Texas may even beat Oklahoma this year, but I still think in terms of the record, it it may not show as much. I think you may see a two-win gap between the two teams, but I think that would be considerable uh, considering what happened last year where it was, Yes, Texas won seven games and OU won like 11 or 10. Like, I mean, that was a much, it's been a four or five winning gap pretty much for the last 45 years, four or five years. So um, I think that gets closed a little bit for sure. In terms of OU, uh, in terms of OU in this conference, I actually have a hot take for you for this conference. No team in this conference will make the big, uh, make the college football playoff. Yeah. I think that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. I think that it's, uh, I agree that it's down. Um, West Virginia with Will Greer could be very interesting. I'm always worried about West Virginia's road games and their road schedule because as good as the team is, when you're making these long trips, you're just bound to have slip-ups. And there, I expect that we'll have more of those this year. Um, TCU is good, but I, I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. I know Kenny Trill uh, could be uneven at times, but I, at the end of the day, I think he, he, you had to say he had a very good year for them last year, so replacing him is not necessarily going to be easy. So, I, I don't know who wins the division, the conference yet. I mean, I think Oklahoma probably still sits as a favorite, 
but none of these teams really excite me that much. I think Texas, honestly, is the most exciting uh, potential team, if I was going to say any team that would be exciting to watch, but that seems like a big leap for them to go from uh, barely you know, making a bowl game last year to then winning the conference, because they also have to win a conference uh, championship game. I don't know if I have that going that far, but uh, this is a conference that I don't think that will, will end up being very good. Speaking of Tom Herman, EJ, did yeah. you see uh, the news about him today? Uh, what's the news about Tom Herman? <laughs> they literally broke. This, uh, considering I'm doing a gospel football preview, but I didn't hear about it. No, that. no, it broke five minutes ago. Oh, what happened? But, well, apparently he was uh, Zach Smith's uh, strip club partner in Ooh. 2014. Oh, wow! Uh, not not good, obviously. Um, but <laughs> that certainly was it. If it, it's a developing story, so I mean. Nothing too much to take from it, but the only thing I will say is that if this thing continues to linger, uh, it may not only affect Ohio State, but it also could affect Texas. And if that is the case, that'll probably hurt the upside of this Texas team. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, yeah, it's. I guess really, what all it all comes down to for me is. you know, is there a possible situation where they find out he knew more? And I see that some of the stuff was getting reported earlier in the week or some, at some point last week. Now it's becoming a lot more confirmed. Uh, the university actually confirmed it. I guess it, it becomes a situation, okay, well, did he know about the uh, allegations? Uh, if he Remember, there was a rumor that he was the he was the guy. He was the source. Right. Which, I mean, if if he felt he was, you know, in any trouble, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be the source, obviously. Right. Yeah. Why would you? Unless he was foolish. Right. I mean, yeah. That wouldn't be the first time because coach is something idiotic. But why would he do that? You would think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> this could just be a shiny object. Yeah. I mean, it says that he and the report I'm reading really quickly. He it says that he accompanied him to a Florida strip club in 2014. I don't know if there's anything beyond that one trip. I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> not, not sure where they go from there. <laughs> the, the outlook yeah. of the Big 12 uh, and Tom Herman's Texas team. But uh, even with this uh, scenario, I still think there is reason to be excited for uh, for Texas. Um, when you look at their offensive weapons, uh, a defense that I think um, is improving and is bringing back uh, pretty much everybody. There's no reason why Texas shouldn't be much better this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, Colin Johnson, little Jordan, little. It's funny how his name is Little Jordan Humphrey because he's like six five. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, those two dudes are are massive on the outside, and, I, and I'm, I'm 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 fascinated to see if Alringer is able to kind of take advantage of those weapons and. I think the Big 12 will be fun this year, but not necessarily all that competitive when it comes to breaking down who's going to, I think, make the college football playoff. Although, the one the one thing I realized, or one thing you have to consider real quick on this Tom Herman thing is that let's let's take let's say that the rumor that Tom Herman was the source was true, which okay. he denies. Brett McMurphy denies. I mean, what else were they going to do in theory? <laughs> I mean, Brett Murphy didn't have to die. He didn't have to say anything. But, um, but he kind of did, because if you don't say anything, people think that 
think that. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, probably he would deny it as well, even if it wasn't true. But let's say it was the truth, and Ohio State knew that. Could this be them trying to fire back at Tom Herman? Uh, there's a very good chance that that's that, that's the case. Because I don't know what this like to me. This feels like an irrelevant. Like, why would they? Why would they confirm this? It's like it's not your guy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um. It. I mean, it could just be them tipping off Texas. Well, by the way. You know, your guys caught up in some of this as well. And again, the stuff didn't seem it, nothing, no obvious improprieties from what I could tell. Like, like Tom Herman should lose his job yet. So, uh, which again makes it even more weird that this got out and it's so public. But, um, and then I see that there was an interview that was done recently between Brett McMurphy and Tom Herman. I just wonder right, if you connect the dots, uh, if there is a possibility that he was the source. But um, I guess that's all speculation. Uh, but I, 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 it is all fascinating to me. Well, the story will not be done. Probably be talking why, about it. Oh, well I, part of why I think Ohio State may have some problems this year because uh, this is not to me. This is not a story that's going away, and it seems like the higher ups aren't in a position or capable. <laughs> of doing the right thing to make it go away. So they seem to be tripping themselves up every time <laughs> they have to do something involving this Smith thing. And uh and this is gonna be a story that, that haunts them. We'll see if it has any uh pushback on uh Herman. I know that it, right now it seems like the issue could be if there were recruits involved in this trip. And, and Bro, we know they're high school football coach. It doesn't seem that like uh he would reimburse for these payments, so it doesn't seem like it would be an NCAA violation from those standpoints in regards to Smith and this very significant bill he ran up at the strip club. But if there were recruits present, that could be uh, a dicey situation. Of course, if Herman was there with recruits, that would then, I think, be the smoking gun, so to speak, to whatever issues Herman may have in the future. Uh, Kendall, our last kind of question conference to talk about, I want to go out west. I think it's, it's probably the most unsettled conference. I mean, we talk about the Pac-12, USC, and Washington are the favorites come out of their respective divisions. But you got QB Kale, uh, Khalil Tate of Arizona, Justin Herbert of Oregon, and running back Bryce Love, who I think is many people's favorites to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, that could also make noise. Utah, I think, is uh, possibly an underrated team. They have a strong offense. They could be in the mix. Kendall, simple question. Are you taking the Huskies and Trojans? To come out of the Pac-12 or the field? Um, I would bet on one of the first two teams. If you gave me five thousand dollars, you told me, or you told me to bet five thousand five thousand on either the field or USC and Washington, I would take the latter. And I think the smart money for me, I think, is on USC. Um. I'm not entirely sure still how I feel about Clay Helton as a head coach. I still I'll go around and say, yeah. I, I mean, at the time, I thought it was a bad hire. Not, I, I, no, you USC did. One of you the, were killing him in our conversations. Yeah. yeah. Like, like USC is one of those jobs where it, I mean, you can, you can win eight games just by being like, just by not being an awful, you know? So, yeah, I know Clay Helton's not an awful coach. But I thought it was bad in the sense that it's USC, 
and they have the upside to win to compete for national championships and they're going to stick to Clay Helton. They're going to go with this guy Clay Helton who is just very uninspiring. Lane Kiffin's offensive coordinator. I mean, I don't know, nothing exciting about that. But um so I still don't know how to feel about Clay Helton as a coach, but the one thing he has done, which again goes back to the, it's the USC job, is he's recruited very well. Um this is a very talented USC team. Uh, obviously, they're still trying to replace, uh, or they're going to have to replace Ronald Jones. Um, and they have, obviously, again, a new quarterback. JT but, Daniels is starting this year, the freshman. Yes, at a modern-day high school. I mean, JT Daniels should be starting at modern-day high school next year. He reclassified late. Um into the recruiting period and got the job really quickly on really, he got there in the summer and won the job in like a couple of weeks. So it shows you how high they were on JT Daniels and his upside. But, uh, I, I, I think that this USC team had the talent around JT Daniels to compete. Now, Washington's interesting because I think people forget that Jake Browning is still there. And Jake Browning, the last two years, has been very much a Heisman Trophy candidate. So, I mean, I don't think Jake Browning has gotten any worse since uh, since two years ago when he was one of the best one of the best players in college football. So, Washington will certainly also be very dangerous. And Chris Peterson, I think, is the best coach in college football. So, not named the best coach that hasn't won a national championship. Uh, like I would put him like people always ask or I, especially me I always ask who's the Brad Stevens of college football and I would say it's Chris Peterson I would say it's either Chris Peterson or David Shaw where like I think people a lot of people kind of knew that Brad Stevens might be probably the best coach in college basketball but you couldn't say it because he hadn't won a championship and but he wasn't going to win a championship because he was at Butler and I feel like Chris Peterson is the same way where I mean, I think he's probably the best coach in college football, but he's at Washington and he was at Boise State, so he's never really going to compete against Nick Saban. So, so it's unfortunate. But uh, given what he has, I think he's the best coach in college football. So I think Washington will obviously be dangerous. I think they'll win the Pac-12 North fairly easily. Um, you know, I think Oregon with Mario Cristobal as the head coach won't be a complete. Uh, Justin Herbert at quarterback won't be a complete pushover. But um, I think they'll win the Pac-12 North, and I think USC will win the Pac-12 South. Uh, although, remember, I told you a couple weeks ago to watch out for UCLA. I think UCLA with Chip Kelly had a chance to be a 9-10 maybe 10 win team this year, depending on who they start a quarterback. Uh, so I'll be looking out for that but uh, next week. But, um, but no, I think it'll be a Pac-12 I think it'll be a Pac-12 championship game with USC and Washington. Uh it's tough for me. I mean, I, I think I'm going to agree, but I do think that uh, Stanford could be a team that to look at. I think that uh, – I think Arizona is a team to look at too, honestly. Um, I think that Arizona comes in with Kevin Sumlin as a new coach, and I think they're going to have a lot to prove, and he's got a dynamite quarterback in Khalil Tate. Uh, you talk about Johnny Manziel like with Shea Patterson. Um he has that kind of player with Tate in his offense. I think that's a a, a perfect 
combination and mesh. I don't know how the defense is going to be at Arizona. Defenses under Kevin Sumlin have always been an issue. But I think they're, if you're looking for a possible sleeper in that conference, I think Arizona is a team to look at. But I'm going to agree and say that it, it will also be uh, uh, USC and Washington. Starting off with uh, Washington, I think that you got Jake Brown and, and, and Gaskin in the backfield. I mean, that's a really solid way to, to, to start your team. Um, I think that if you're looking at quarterback-running-back combination in college football, that will probably one of, be one of the best. So I like what they're doing there. Uh, they're going to have to have situations with their defense. They lost, uh, of course, Vita Vea, so who's, who's a huge factor on defense. But Peterson's defenses at Washington have been outstanding almost every year. And I think this has a chance to be one of his best teams again. So I think Washington does come out of the uh, – I think they actually win the conference overall. Um, SC could also still be really good. I'm very fascinated to see what uh, Daniels does at quarterback. You never know really what to take from freshmen, but I think in recent years we're learning that freshmen and quarterback are much more ready to come in than in past years. And I think that that USC team last year, that I think Darnold had to kind of carry them through a lot of the season, especially early on. But I think that they gained a lot of experience. Uh, I think their receivers uh, gained experience. I think that off the line that that was kind of maligned as they came into the year, I think improved over the course of the season. I think you're going to see that uh, show itself this year. And I think that USC may surprise people and end up being maybe even a little better than people expect because while losing Donald hurt, I think having those reps in those huge games, uh, playing with an elite player like that, I think is going to help them come into this year. So uh, don't be surprised if USC ends up being uh, a little better than people think. I think that both these teams will be really good, and I think they both win the division. But if there's a team I'm looking at who may sneak up and steal it, I'm going to look at Arizona. Watch out. Also watch out for uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who is the brother of... Equinemius St. Brown from who was at Notre Dame now in the NFL for whatever team he's on. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it's the backers, but uh, probably wrong there. But uh, at USC, who he was, he was JT Daniels's wide receiver at modern day. And obviously those guys have a connection and he was number one wide receiver coming out of high school. So I guarantee you he'll have an impact as a freshman. Okay, Kendall, let's do a quick header segment here. Uh, so first I want to start off with uh, biggest surprise, Kendall. What team is the biggest surprise this year? Mm, what team is the biggest surprise? Well, I think FAU will be the UCF of this season, uh, especially if they get that opening win against Oklahoma. Uh, and then I'll say, I mean, I think Michigan uh, – on the backs of Shea Patterson, Heisman Trophy candidate, will uh, will be a college football playoff contender. I'm going to say uh, Boise State. Um, I feel like since Chris Peterson left, we kind of have forgot about them, but uh, they're returning a lot of the guys last year. Um, they always seem to win 10 games, and I think that they're going to be a team to look at that might be dangerous. Uh I'm also looking at Missouri, Kendall. Um, I'm, I'm, my stock's way low on Missouri. I know. I, I know you're not crazy about uh, 
lock, but uh, they scored 45 points in six of their last seven games. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not an accident, and they're in a terrible division. So I think when you look at the division right now, Florida's looking at it as, as being the second best team. I, I'm sorry, I, I I know maybe I'm a Miami fan, so I, I'm biased here, but I just don't believe that uh, Dan Mullen comes in and then everything's fixed on that Florida offense in one year. I'm not saying they won't end up fixing it. I think there's a chance that they will. Mullen's a very good coach. I thought he did a great job at Mississippi State. But that there are massive issues there. Um, they're starting Franks again, Felipe Franks at quarterback. I was not impressed from what I saw last year. May Mullins does miracles, but if he's starting again this year, God help the Gators. Uh, so I, I think when you look at Florida being down, I don't know who else is challenging in that division. I think the Missouri has a chance to be uh, pretty good. Their defense is improved. Uh, I think we improved from last year, and they have an offense in place that should do damage. So uh, Boise and uh, and Missouri will be my teams that are surprised this year. Kind of what about? Uh, Biggest disappointment. Mm, biggest disappointment. Uh, that's always this is so negative, EJ. <laughs> no, um, hey, somebody's gonna, look. Their team. If we're gonna have a team that's gonna surprise and do well, or multiple teams, there's gonna be teams that disappoint. I'm gonna say Wisconsin, EJ. Uh, I'm not. I, I you know I think Wisconsin will be solid because the Big Ten West is not is never ever gonna be that strong. Just said, well, I, I won't say never. I think Nebraska, if not this season, Nebraska also may be on the surprise list for me. But if not this season, Nebraska will at some point be back under Scott Frost, and that will certainly help the Big Ten West. But I don't think Wisconsin will compete for a college playoff berth. So, uh, and there are some people that are writing them in in the Big Ten championship game, writing them into the college football playoffs. So I'm going to say Wisconsin will disappoint. And. I'm going to say Penn State. Mm. No homerism there. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think Penn State, you mentioned losing Saquon Barkley. You mentioned losing Mike Kosecki, Deshaun Hamilton, uh, Marcus Allen. Um, they're, 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 obviously, Penn State, cause they've still got some ballers. But... Uh, they just lost Manny Bowen, who, I mean, that dude was dealing with his own issues, but, um, like, they, they're, they're, they've lost a lot. They've got talent. And don't forget, they lost Joe Moorhead. Oh, we can't forget about Joe Moorhead, who I think will soften the blow of losing Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, who, mm-hmm. and was probably the best offensive coordinator in college football the last two years. But, um, no, I mean, I feel like, Penn State, they re- they've recruited at an extremely high level the last two years, and that can't be forgotten. And they will have young guys out there playing, whether it be Ricky Slade Jr. at running back or Micah Parks on the defensive line. I mean, Mike, Micah Parsons at the defensive line, and uh, Jahan Dotson at wide receiver, or Justin Short at wide receiver. They'll have plenty of freshmen out there playing, but. The question will be, are those guys ready to play from day one? Because they're going yeah. to have to be because they lost a lot. And it'll be helped that they have a guy in Trace McSorley. But, I mean, you know me, EJ. I'm not, I've never been the biggest fan of Trace McSorley. I think there's there's being brash and, you know, being a solid quarterback. And there, there's being brash and being extremely talented. Lightly Baker Mayfield 
towed that line a little bit, but I think he's a lot closer to the extremely talented range. I think Shea, Shea Patterson also kind of has that swagger, but he, he's also, I think, extremely talented. Johnny Manziel was extremely talented. I don't think Trace McSorley is. I think McSorley, he talks a big game, but I don't know if he's got the ability. But I don't know. Maybe I'm talking a lot. Maybe yeah, I'll see it. I'll see it uh, week yeah, two. Yeah, you're talking about uh, no homerism. <laughs> I find that most of our listeners will find that hard to believe. That no, but down. I mean, I like that the guys just gave us. I think I, I think I mean look I I actually agree with you uh, not your homerism but yes that I think Penn State could take a step back they won eleven games two years in a row that's remarkable uh, that's why James Franklin tried to get the heck out of there right yeah try to cash you. in on those those two leave my teams. NFL job um I mean this is I mean you could say that these for the last few years I mean this has been like almost golden era Penn State stuff. In the recent well, I don't know situation, about I'm saying in recent years. Obviously, won national championship. Yeah, I know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about <laughs> in the last 20 Our years. I'm probably listening. Like, whoa, I was there <laughs> during the bowl there. I'm saying in the last 20 years, uh, they haven't had better football than what they've had in a two year stretch. I know that's kind of a weird caveat, but back to back years, 11 wins, they haven't done that in a long time. So, uh, there's got to be some slippage when you lose the kind of talent they lost. Not only on offense, but their defense is. Pretty much all new guys. So uh, a defense that was that was pretty good last year. They lose everybody. They lose some massive weapons on offense. I know that their recruiting on offense has been great. So they have uh, a lot of good guys coming back. But I'm going to say that they take a step back. And my other disappointment, I'm going to say A&M. Uh, I, I mentioned I'm not really the biggest fan of Jimbo Fisher. I think everyone assumes that because I think A&M assumes that get rid of uh, – uh, what's the name? Someone. Someone, and you know Fisher, who has won a national championship and stuff. He changed his life for them, but I, I still think that we're gonna <laughs> learn a lot about uh, eighty million dollar contract. Whatever yeah. they gave him, they already got issues in terms of possible sanctions coming or possible infractions at the NCAA. We'll have to look at. Um, they're in a division that isn't that great, but it's so top heavy with Auburn and. And Alabama, I, I mean, those are two losses to me in that schedule. So now it's, okay, how do they maneuver the rest of it? I think that they're always going to be kind of that outside team in the SEC. Road games for them are going to be tough as well. I think A&M is, is not quite as good as, as maybe they're being ranked uh, early in this year. So I'm going to say they take, uh, I don't even say a step back, but I, I don't, I, they went 7-6 last year. If they go 7-6 this year, I, I think that that's, that would not surprise me at all. I think that they would consider that disappointment. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's always tough with coaches in their first year. Um, like, I don't think Florida State will be that good. But will it be – I mean, it will be a disappointment because you want to start off well. But a lot of, they, they're, the, they're the honeymoon period. But I think that, with Florida State, I feel like the expectations – I could be wrong, but I feel like if anyone would be know about this, it'd be me. Uh, not anybody, but since considering I follow the Florida State Miami rivalry, yeah, nationally, yeah. I don't think that there are these sky high expectations for Tigers first year. I feel like at A and M, they feel like life is going to change because now they have an eighty million dollar <laughs> coach, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, now the question is, do you feel like life will change too. ever? 
No, I I, I don't think he's that good. Yeah, I agree. With that. <laughs> I, I don't, don't think, think it's ever. I think unless Saban is leaving in the next five years, Jimbo Fisher will, won't sniff a national, won't sniff a college football player berth. Yeah, I mean, I think that now. I think that he has a look. I think that bringing him in in terms of recruiting was smart because I think that they were about to get hit with a sledgehammer by Tom Herman. So from a recruiting standpoint, I think the blow that they were about to face, which I expected them to face, won't nearly be as harsh anymore. They'll probably be able to compete well with Texas, but I still think that's a a sleeping giant that will be awoken very soon in Austin. So you have that issue. Um, you have the Saban issue. Uh, and then, so, no, I think that a and one of those places where I don't know if it'll ever work out. I could be wrong, and then they could end up being like the new Clemson. Like, Clemson was a team that everyone always thought that it's never going to work out for them. And yeah. then they found the right guy. But I think I think the fact that Clemson kind of did it organically is also kind of why they've sustained it. Like, I don't know if, like, if Clemson would have, like, grabbed some $80 million coach out of nowhere and be like, oh, just do what you did last, at the last place and hope that you do the same thing here and think it's going to work. Like, I think the fact that they, they like... I feel like Dabble really built a program. I know that they kind of always have had the potential to bring in good players, but when he got there, they were mediocre, and he turned into a power. I don't know if 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 kind of plucking some other team's top team is going to work. I think that they need to kind of really build from scratch Texas with A&M their own guy. Their, their chance at being among the blue bloods of college football came and went. When Manziel was there... And that one or two years after Manziel, I mean, they were recruiting as one of, like one of the five or ten best programs. Oh yeah, someone didn't cash in at all on and, recruiting classes. Yeah, they just they they were they underachieved, and that was it. Now I, I don't think they can get back to that unless another giant Manziel comes walking through the door and makes them the biggest story in college football like they were. But no one cares about Texas A&M football outside of the state of Texas. A lot of people in the state of Texas care more about. Texas football, Oklahoma football, Oklahoma State football, and Houston football. More than Texas A&M football, it feels like right now. So, I, I I can't. I don't think. I think it'll be a while before we get to that point. The hiring Jimbo Fisher, I guess, helped. If you want to win the back pages of, you know, the Dallas Morning News or whatever newspaper you win, you read in Texas. But, um, I don't. I don't think that that'll result in many wins. Not that 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 chance came and went with Johnny Manziel. Uh, Kenna, who's in your your college football playoff? My college football playoff. I'm going to go with Alabama coming out of the SEC. I'm going to go with Clemson coming out of the ACC. I'm going to go. It's tough. I'm going to go Michigan coming out of the Big Ten. And I'm going to go with... There's always going to be one of these teams. I guess Michigan, one of the teams I think will be like in the top 20 or that's not really in the top 15 that will or top 10 that will be a top five team most of the year. But uh, And my fourth team, I'm going to go with Georgia. I think they'll get... They don't get two SEC teams again. Yeah, they will be Alabama, Georgia in that SEC championship game, and they're gonna and move on. The, uh, they they can't do that. 
I'm sorry. What's the difference? If they're both undefeated, what's no, the, the difference, difference between that last, last year? Last year, Alabama lost in the Iron Bowl and still got in. But I think that was that was different to me because they lost a team that didn't make the playoff. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like I feel like if you lose to a team that then made the playoff, like to me, you're done. Like you had your chance to make the playoff in that game, and you lost. The the Auburn loss ended up not like I didn't love what happened. I wouldn't have put them in. I think when we did the show last year, but I remember I kept saying they should be in. Yeah, I said they should not be in. But but what I will say, and what makes this different than your scenario is that in your scenario, both teams are undefeated, and to me. If you lose a team that then gets into the college football playoff, then your your shot to get in now is void. Like, if if they would lost to Auburn in week one, there would have been no discussion about them not getting in. Right. You know, like they it would have been. Oh, but it's well, the same as Georgia. Game. They right. lost to Georgia in week one. Or same thing exactly. Like it, it. But the fact that that would be the fact that it's the week before. It's the week before it kind of clouded everyone's judgment because then Auburn had a chance to make it and then they didn't make it, but. Auburn proved not to be a playoff team. So, okay, that loss was bad, but it was better than almost everyone else's losses on the on the in that in that top four or five. So, I didn't agree with it, but from that situation, I think that would be better than the situation you painted. So, your teams are Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, three, same three as last year, and then you threw in Michigan and throw in Michigan. Yes, I'm gonna have Alabama. I'm gonna have Clemson. I'm gonna put in Wisconsin. And um, oh, the fourth team's tough here. Uh, I really don't want to put another SEC team in there, but I don't think anyone's coming out of the Big Twelve. I'll put Washington. I'll say Washington has only one loss, uh, and that will get them in. So Alabama comes in, Wisconsin, Washington. That'd be a boring, be a boring playoff, man. Uh, yeah, I, the, two ESPN, teams ESPN that we always see, and two teams that hate me for thinking that this is what's gonna happen. But that's what I do. <laughs> Same um, two teams and two teams no one ever wants to watch. Um, but I have Clemson winning national championship. I have Alabama winning the national championship for the thirtieth time under Nick Saban. <laughs> um, that's understandable. I'm sorry for people for for being kind of uh. Chalk, chalk, but yes. Football, oh, man, I think a college football. I think it's harder to like get crazy with like because I, I think, think putting Michigan there don't know until the guys get on the field. Like, yeah, we'll know like week one. As crazy as that sounds, but we'll know like after like week one, week two, week three. Like, oh snap! Like that's why I think Michigan. I think we'll see when they play Notre Dame. I could be completely wrong. It might be the other way around. Maybe Notre Dame looks like juggernauts, and now we're like, yo, Notre Dame's probably going to be in the yeah, playoffs. Exactly, but. You kind of you have to see these guys on the field before you make that that judgment. Like I'm sure if I I'm, let me find the preseason, the preseason top twenty five for last season, I'm sure it'll it it probably will look ridiculous compared to the last. I mean, I mean Florida State was number three, <laughs> yeah. you know, like USC was yeah. number four. Yeah, we're gonna see some like crazy stuff happen. Like we're yeah, like, this is gonna look like it's not gonna even make any sense. UCF. Didn't receive any votes, and they for, they claimed and they were a top ten. Yeah, and they were the number six team in the country by the end of the year. So I mean, there 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 are going to be some teams that you just don't even think about. Some teams in this top ten that won't have a snowball's chance at <laughs> making it to the playoff. 
People were really uh, down Oklahoma. They were eighth in the college in the coaches poll last year. Yeah. Um that seems unbelievable. But I, I the question that I was talking really about about their sporting class was the thing. Yeah. They lost yeah, all their receivers were... and running backs, but now they have like <laughs> they're you know, uh Anderson you know, is a is a sleeper Heisman candidate. Yeah, like, bring all these guys back. Yeah. yeah. Uh speaking of Heisman, uh Kendall, quick pick for the Heisman. Mm, I'm going to go with I think it'll be close. I think it'll be Tua Tungo Vailoa. Oh, over wow. Paris. Yes. Ed Oliver will also be in that conversation at Houston. Oh, Ed Oliver's unbelievable. Um, but I, I don't think really hope that he enough. plays well enough that the voters recognize him. Which shouldn't be much of an issue. He should play well enough, but... His team's not on TV enough. Like, yeah, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Because he's, he's ridiculous. Because Clowney played... In big games on national TV and SEC program, you can't win a you can't be a defensive player playing defensive tackle in the American Conference that you can win either. Yeah. I mean, unless your team's going undefeated, yeah, which Sue, I don't think that's gonna Sue happen. Sue got it playing the Big Ten, Big Twelve. I think it was at the time. They were the Big Twelve, still. So, okay, I couldn't. Remember. Yeah, I, couldn't. I remember them playing. Yeah, Texas they played Texas in the conference finals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope Oliver gets recognized and gets leads sent to New York if he does play. Man, Titeo. Almost wanted. I mean, Notre Dame bigger than every program. But I kind of think a linebacker is a better shot than a defensive tackle. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you're you're a playmaker. Yeah, you're not really. It's hard to make plays at defensive tackle, which I mean makes these guys so special. But you're still not going to make obvious tackles or sacks at defensive tackle. I'm going with Jonathan Taylor. I have Wisconsin in the playoff, so that means I feel like usually one of the playoff teams has a Heisman winner. He's of all the teams I named, he seems to be the obvious pick. I, I don't know. I think Wisconsin's going to just run rough shot against everybody. And I think a good enough performance in the Big Ten Championship game against a very worthy opponent, assuming it's not Michigan State. Not to say Michigan State isn't worthy, but I just don't know if people will respect that performance. But if it's against Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State, and he runs for 200, like I think he will, he's going to win it. I think Bryce Love, I think his team may have too many losses this year. I'm not going to sleep on Stanford either. I didn't mention them. They're a good team, too. But, like, they're so consistent. And I feel like the Pac-12 isn't that strong. So, I mean, it's very possible they could win, like, 11 games this year and be a playoff contender. Uh, we got to wrap the show, Kendall. So, we got to do quick, yeah, quickly on these, uh, on these, uh, Week one games we have. So uh, let's start off with uh, the biggest game of the week, really. Auburn versus a uh, a game, well, Washington team that we just talked about in Atlanta. Weird trip. Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Yeah, who do you got there? That's a huge game. Uh, yes, that, this is a massive playoff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would, like, that could wipe away your playoff prediction in a week. Not wipe it away, but make it really hard for it to yeah. <laughs> to be the case if Washington loses. But um I'm gonna say that Washington wins that game. I think they're gonna win it fairly easily. You're not, you're not a fan of Auburn or just the matchup? No, I mean I think Auburn I don't think they'll be terrible. You know, SEC I respect SEC football, but I I'm high on this Washington team. I think Chris Peterson's a Considerably better coach than Gus Malzahn. 
uh, not no hate on Gus Falzon, but I think there's a there's a level between him and Chris Peterson. So I think Chris Peterson will have his team give him all summer to prepare for this game. I think he'll have his team ready. We're in agreement here. Uh, I'm a little surprised because this is going to be a home game for Auburn. But I, I I think Peterson is really good in these like one game situations. I got a uh, bowl game. I got you a know, year to prepare. I got a year gotta, to prepare. Like, yeah. If this was like week five or something, like a random in midseason, I feel very badly about this game. But I think his team will be ready for this road trip. Like it's a tough team, uh, but they'll be well prepared. It should be a good game. I think it's going to be a really fun, close game. But I'm a, I also agree with you. Uh, I think they're going to kind of get uh, get out some of the uh, haunting memories of their last trip to Atlanta when uh, they got dumped by Alabama in the playoff. I got Washington as well. Michigan, Notre Dame, Kendall. Uh, Michigan. Uh, I kind of have to say Michigan. Or I would look like a – I don't know. It would be a bad look if I say Notre Dame could win this game. I think this is going to be a, a very, very fun, maybe high-scoring game. I got Notre Dame at home. Doesn't necessarily mean I think Notre Dame is going to be better. This will be Shea Patterson's coming out party. I think he's going to play pretty well, but I, I think nice. that um, I think the home crowd is going to help Notre Dame a lot in this game. And Michigan's not used to playing those first games. Like, they never played that first game on the road. I can't remember the last time they, they did it. Did you see those Notre Dame Yankee uniforms? Uh, I did. Those are grotesque. You you don't like them. I got. I, no. I don't kind of remember what they look like. I did see them though. They have like pinstripes yeah, on their shoulders. Like they're like solid blue, but like the shoulders have pinstripes. It's, it's, let me see. Let me get this one more look. It uh, was just. It was, I mean, I mean, I got to see the way they look on the field. You know, it's innovative. Yeah, I'm looking at it again. This, stadium. Yeah, this is trash. You're right. Uh, who are they playing? Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean. See, that's how I know they ain't going to win that game, man. They're not going to beat Syracuse because of their yeah, wearing, wearing those wearing wacky uniforms, man. They better be I mean, it's a good try. For, for I, all I, the, I, I always commend the, yeah, the effort. For, yeah, for the for the uh, caping they're doing to the Yankees, they better win that game. Uh, LSU, Miami, in Dallas, Kendall. Ooh, that's so forward. Because LSU, obviously, that's that's – their region, much closer to their region, but I'm gonna go with Miami. Uh, I'm not completely confident in Miami's QB situation, which is why I think they may not be as great. But if they can get that figured out, maybe Malik Rozier takes a step up this year. Maybe they find another QB in the system that can do the job. But I don't think I think. If they can find that, if they can figure that situation out, they'll they'll be fine. LSU still has no quarterback. I don't know what that. I don't know what the problem is with that with that program. But I mean, they've got you know Ohio State's like four string quarterback transferred and won the job. So yeah, uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. So, <laughs> I mean, good luck, good luck, Mister Burrow. But they don't have a quarterback, so it'll it'll be Miami. And yeah. bold prediction, Ed Orgeron will be out of a job this year. Um, I don't, I don't, I have a weird feeling about this game as a Miami fan. Uh, maybe, I maybe it's like the idea that like we're still not that far away from going back to the eight win years, and maybe last year was an anomaly. Uh, 
And like these being the kind of games that Miami normally doesn't play well in, these like neutral site games nowhere near Miami where our fans don't travel well. But LSU is like such a mess. Uh, like if Miami can't win this game, then like they don't deserve any recognition as a top elite team. This is a team that they should be able to, to turn the ball over against, which is something that they, you know, feasted on last year. Uh, and I think that they'll make enough plays offensively. They have a really balanced ground game. Um, I, I'm gonna say Miami wins, but uh, but I'm not I'm not confident about the whole long travel. Last one: Tennessee versus West Virginia, the third neutral big neutral site game this weekend. It will be in Charlotte. Uh. Jeremy Pruitt, new coach at Tennessee. Yes. I'm I'm gonna say Jeremy Pruitt gets a huge win in his first game. Upset pick here. Yeah. I'm gonna say, you know, a defensive specialist coming over from Alabama and FSU. I think they're gonna stifle that uh expectedly potent West Virginia offense. And I think Tennessee gets a major upset. Biggest second biggest upset of the week outside of the Florida and Atlantic game. That will be a huge upset. Um, I'm going to go with... And West we'll have all the people saying that Tennessee is back, by the way. And they won't be. <laughs> oh, so you think this is like a one game? No, the one. I think the Big 12 is weak. Um, I'm, I'm going to go West Virginia, but I think this is going to end up being a close game. I agree. I think Jeremy Pruer is going to actually end up having a good game plan for Greer and company. Uh, David Sills. Wide out. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a interesting, like what the crowd breakdown is. Tennessee crowd, I think, travels really well. That's not it's it's not a close trip, but I think you know geographic geographically, I believe it would favor West Virginia, but I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee ends up being more heavily represented in the crowd. So I think that kind of will make things a little trickier than maybe they should be. But I think Greer kind of like maybe in the second half kind of kind of shows why he's the man in terms of uh, quarterbacks looking at at the top of the draft next year. Interesting story about West Virginia real quick. David Sills, their, you know, stud wide receiver, uh, is actually the same dude that Lane Kiffin had committed to play quarterback at USC at like 12 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah out of Delaware, yeah. And obviously that didn't go well. You know, went to JUCO was like a third, like a three star for a while. Lane Kiffin lost the job like you know way before he even got to USC. He turned out to be a great of, receiver. He, he caught yeah, like eighteen touchdowns last yeah, year. Exactly. Ended up yeah, ended up playing receiver, and like you said, was a superstar last year in the Big Twelve. So uh, just shows you for these guys uh, that keep transferring. You know, maybe. Maybe Lamar Jackson take a page out of the David Sills playbook. No, I'm joking. Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't <laughs> no. play pretty well in the preseason. Let's hope he does not do that. Um, but, yeah, I think that was interesting. Who do you have in the FSU game, by the way, Labor Day? Uh, who's at home in that game? I believe it's Vodtech. I mean, if it's yeah, Labor Day. I thought it was Vodtech, too. Yeah, Could just be making that usually, up. Usually, but. usually you're not, I don't think you're making it up. Usually they do do those Labor Day home games there. They had Ohio State a couple of years ago. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go with. Probably uh, I'm gonna go with Virginia Tech. Now I think about it. I'm gonna go with Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah. I actually agree. I think Virginia Tech might also be a little better than people think. I'm a little worried about them. It's actually at FSU, by the way. Oh, it is. Oh, but, wow. Okay. 
Um, yeah, it's a little strange. That doesn't but, change anything for me. I'm still gonna go with F. I'm still gonna go with Virginia Tech. I'm gonna I'm gonna change. I think I'm gonna go FSU. It's tough. It's tough for me to say they're gonna win at night and Labor Day on the road. Willie Taggart's first game. FSU still has some ballers, but it's gonna be a big test for Virginia Tech. This is gonna be a, big, this is a huge team. game. This, this might be my biggest game of the week. It's a good game. Um, I think this is a big test for Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech. While they were good last year, I think at times kind of – I hate to say this about them because they're a team that I, I usually associate with toughness and grit. But I think they fold like a cheap tent in, when things got tough last year. Yes. And I know they were very young, especially at quarterback with Josh Jackson. But they were a team that looked like they could maybe make some noise as the season went on. And they had some tough games, and I just thought they didn't show up. And that was kind of shocking to me. The Miami game – uh Certainly comes to mind for sure. Then they followed up with a terrible performance against Georgia Tech, and of course they lost the bowl game. I I, I don't know. I, I don't like the way they ended last year. Their offense fell apart, but I, I I think a year of Fuente kind of probably remind these guys of how they ended. I think they make a statement in week one. All right. Um, I think we're kind of out of time. Do you want to do a Kendall score? We're at the two hour mark. I'm just going to leave it to you uh, if you want to go with it. Well, I mean, all I was going to say was Manu Ginobili retired. I'm sure people heard. Yes. Uh, and, I mean, look, Manu Ginobili, that's, that's, it's sad, man. I mean, the guy was one of the I, – I, it's kind of weird because he never really got the – they did, you know, give him the standing ovation when he came off the court in San Antonio when they got swept by the Spurs but or by the Warriors, but – uh, Philly, he never got a full send off because we thought, I don't think anybody thought he was going to retire. Uh, so that was a little unfortunate, but strange that he decided to do it. Now, I, I don't know if something came up, if it was the quiet stuff, if he just thought, man, we have no shot of winning a championship. Or, yeah, he might look at the team and just been like, what am I doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, or yeah, he might also be I'd be chilling with Timmy in, uh, in the Virgin Islands or something like. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, he also it could have been the Parker move that pushed him out. But, you know, it's obviously not the same team that he played on for the last 20 years. So, um, maybe pops so he's like, moving on. Pops right thinking, I would have second guessed putting Danny Green in that trade if I would have known how the shooting guard was going to retire. Yeah, and they, 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 he had, you know, the the ace up his sleeve and, you know, signing Quincy Pondexter a few hours later. Oh, well, I'm sure that'll soften the, <laughs> the blow. Contingency. <laughs> that'll the contingency. That'll soften the blow of losing a Hall of Famer. Uh, nah, Manu, yeah, Manu, uh, I, I kind of, like, you're right. I kind of feel like it's unfortunate that he kind of maybe didn't get the send off he probably deserved. But I will say, I feel like social media has given him the love he deserves, which was kind of nice to see. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wasn't he's a, sure what would happen, but it seems like everyone's recognizing this dude was nasty. Uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, really, can we say the guy who brought the Euro set to the NBA? I would I would say so. I can't. Who else was I doing mean, the guy that's made it mainstream. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they were like Bernard King's do the Euro step. But I mean, like in terms of like guys who like who like clearly made that thing a thing. I'll also throw I also throw and he also made the, the sham God mainstream. He did. He would bring that out in the games too. Yeah. Uh yeah. at least NBA mainstream for sure. So 
yeah, Manu was great. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, I'm happy. I'm, I wish he maybe would have got an even greater send-off. But uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, I saw someone say he was a... I don't know. I don't want to say, I don't say it was top five shooting guard. I, I want to say it was top ten shooting guard of all time. That seems kind of high. But he was really good. No, he's not top five. But Definitely not top five. I, heard, I, think, I think it was top ten. I think that's what they were saying. Who? Manu. Well, who said this? I don't know who said it. It was uh, okay. I was reading a zillion things between yeah. the last time we talked. And yeah, you can't say top five. The shooting guard position is weak historically. I mean, outside of Kobe, Jordan, no order, obviously. Kobe, Jordan, Wade. Uh, then it gets weirder who you consider shooting guards. Yeah, because like, yeah, I kind of consider like Jerry West Jerry shooting West. guard. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like, then I get yelled at by some people. Yeah, <laughs> David Thompson. Guard, I don't know. You know, like David Thompson. Is he a shooting guard? And then, if, uh, and then if if Jerry West is a shooting guard, well then Gail Goodridge, is he a shooting guard? Shooting. And yeah, is he a shooting he, guard? He's top ten for sure. Like and yeah. I'll put him ahead of Ginobili. It gets it gets weird. It would be nice and, if like in the pre nineteen eighty they would have just made guys point guard and shooting guard instead of having them do both. Yeah, exactly. That was really yeah, the yeah. original combo guard era. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what uh, David Kahn kept saying. He tried to recreate. The, the Clyde Roman Road backcourt with Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. So you throw two point guards out there, see what happens. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't. That seems to be a thing that's like never gonna really work. Nobody's uh, nobody's tried it really. Jeff Hornacek tried it with uh Drogic and and yeah, he did. and Bledsoe, he did. and like uh, he had mild success. Then they went overkill when they brought in Isaiah Thomas. Like, I mean, like, like, what are two, they doing? like I mean those guys were good, but like you mean like two like. Like, give me, like, stars. two all-star type guys. Or, like, an all-star and, like, a borderline all-star. Oh, we're not going to count, uh, we're not going to count, uh, Steve Francis and Stephon Marbury and <laughs> Lake Brown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, that's, that's the fake stuff, man. Oh, man. Those are some really dark ages. Uh... Yeah. I, I would like to see someone try that. I've always been on... I, I always thought the Thunder should have went all in on Chris Paul. And I would love to see what a Paul Westbrook brass backcourt would look like. In free agency? I, I always thought they should have traded Harden for him if they were going to trade Harden. Oh, interesting. That would have been fun. That was always my theory. My theory was they should never trade Harden. It was stupid. But at the time, I thought it was like, yo, use Harden as bait to get Chris Paul. Yeah. And New Orleans would have absolutely done that. Look what they took back. Yeah, exactly. They took back garbage for Chris Paul. I always say, people always talk about the Chris Paul trade. I was telling our brother Henry, who's obviously a huge Pelicans fan. People always talk about how the, the, the NBA... You know, kill the the Lakers and ruin the Pelicans or whatever. Nah, they didn't ruin the Pelicans, but people got to remember. Like, I feel like the trade, what the Pelicans were going to get back, was kind of trash. Like Eric they were going to get like, had a Lamar great year, the year that he got traded. So I think maybe in like, oh, you mean the Lakers trade? Yeah, the Lakers trade was garbage. They should Lakers trade was garbage. They, yeah, they should have like Lamar Odom. They should have dumped that joint. Yeah, I totally like, agree with you. So the NBA stepping in, like, I think it was less about. The Lakers being rigged, it was more about the Pelicans are getting nothing in this trade. Right. So we can't do we can't do this because we own the team. And the fan the fan base is gonna come looking at us. Like, how do you let the dumpster fire continue under your watch? So yeah, I think people sometimes get that confused and say, Oh, the NBA they're letting the Warriors run the league and they but yet the Lakers can't trade for Chris Paul. But I feel like it, it, I I wouldn't want Lamar Odom as the centerpiece of a Chris Paul trade. No, neither would I. I'd much rather have Eric, Eric Gordon. I mean, Eric Gordon obviously got hurt, but 
they would still do that trade over again if they could compared yeah. to the other I one. I think the issue with that, like, like that wouldn't have even been a thing if it wasn't for the fact that the GM, like, basically announced that the trade was done. And then it's like, oh, it's just only, it's just waiting for league approval. And league was like, oh, we own you guys. And this trade is stupid. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, was, I think this wouldn't have even been a story. Yeah. Because those kind of trades are done all the time. We're like, not all the time, but like, we're like, GMs agree and the owner's like, no, we're not doing that. Or a, a team president may say, no, we're not doing that. You know, like, I, I think the, the difference was maybe like whoever was owning them before, like, just let Dell Demp do whatever the hell he wanted. So he didn't expect, like, there to be pushback. <laughs> um, this was a fun show. I really enjoyed doing this one. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, be sure to check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Also, check us out on uh, Stitcher as well. Follow us on uh, or subscribe to us on YouTube, New Generation Media. We've been a little slow on the videos, but when we get Kendall back in house, we're going to try to get some uh, content up. So that should be good. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at New Generation Podcast, as well as on Twitter at New Generation Pod, and on Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. That does it for now. We'll be back. We will be back next week with more sports talk, NFL season upon us. That means NFL season preview time. So that should be another fun show. So, uh, make sure you guys uh, stick with us for that. Uh, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.